Well, hello and welcome to episode number 299 of the Plain Talking UK podcast. Just so I'm building up ready for next week. (laughs) Welcome everyone to the show and welcome uh, back into the studio for a live show this week, Matt Smith. Hello, hello. I'm kind of excited because it's episode 299. 299. So I'm really excited because obviously it does mean that of course next week uh, we will be live from London. Uh, But that's also (laughs) why I'm slightly terrified because what you see in front of me here... uh, I was going to have to worry about what's behind you. Well, yes, absolutely, there is that. I'm having my head chopped off by some random Emirates fan by the look of it. But anyway, it's it's just like we've got to put essentially everything that's in front of me right now in a box, stick it in the TriStar van and Mm. take it to London, which frightens me slightly, Nev, I'll be honest with you, because I'm sure you've been there along with me in the fact that when I get it back here in the studio, it'll never work the same again. (laughs) <laughs> You'd you have to do what I used to do. In the, remember in the olden days when you used to, we used to do the kitchen studio? Back in the 1990s. Back in the, yes, yeah, yeah, back in the early days. And you used to always to tell me to take a picture on my phone yes, of yes, where yes. all the um, various yeah. No, 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 the difference between you and, and I, though, is I, I understand the configuration of the studio. That's not the issue. We'll remember this yeah. <laughs> the week after next. <laughs> well, I can't get it this online, could come yeah. back to yeah, bite right. you in the... Anyway, moving on. Moving on. Joining us from his new... I know. Studio in London. It's Neville Bounds. <laughs> well, I thought we'd upgrade a bit, and uh, I've probably gone over the top this time. I realise. I think you might have done. Yeah, I'll too be much honest. stuff, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, I tell you what, Matt, you could uh, really help me out by not playing that music in my ear because it's, oh, it's, um, oh, it's all really <laughs> quite distracting. <laughs> all right, I'll see what I can do about that. Anyway, yeah, here we are, back uh, in the new year. Happy New Year to everybody! Is that and, better? Um, yes, yeah. much better. <laughs> Thank you. Um, Happy New Year and hope everybody has had a nice time over the holiday season. Um, It's live, ladies and gentlemen. It's live. (laughs) Yes. Well, unfortunately, um, I've put on a bit too much weight. so I I don't think you're alone there, Nev, I'll be honest. No. I can't believe uh, Mrs. Nev signed off on the cheque to pay for that um, that marvellous Uh, new studio. She she hasn't. No. That's where the problem uh, starts. Nev, 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 Nev. Tony S says, wow, look at Nev's equipment. What have you been up to? Well, over the festive period. You know, <laughs> people can admire it, can't they? Uh, and uh, I'm happy about that. Um, <laughs> That's it. We're in trouble oh, already. Moving so, on. Uh, so moving on. Um, welcome, everyone, obviously, and Happy New Year to everyone. Hope uh, We hope you had a great Christmas and safe New Year's Eve evening. Um, uh, Nasha says we're really getting an eyeful. Yep. I know we are. <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, moving on. Am I putting you off, buddy? You have put me off, yeah. I completely <laughs> forgot what I was going to say then. Uh, where oh, was I? Well, it makes a change from Nev's muff, I'll be honest. Oh, I know, I know. <laughs> so, yes, welcome everyone after our break. I hope you all enjoyed the Christmas special show. I know uh, I had a, had a few uh, WhatsApps from various people saying that they were rather tearful watching the Christmas uh, uh, special episode oh, I see. and it wasn't tears of sadness <laughs> no no indeed yeah no, it so uh, yes actually I, I, one of the things I've had a couple of messages from actually is of course we premiered the very first episode mm, mm. of the John Hutchinson interviews uh, over the uh, new year yeah we did. show that was quite exciting and of course the next episode of that we're actually saving because it's a bit of a special one yeah uh, for next week's show which obviously will be shown live in front of an audience in London I know I know we're looking 
looking forward to that. So uh, on the note of the uh, show, we're at 299, we're at today, and uh, the date today, what is the date today, Matt? It's the 3rd of January, uh, just coming up <laughs> Richard to, says uh, that's a slightly hypnotic backdrop, by the way. It is good, isn't it? It is a bit trance-worthy, isn't it? To, to be fair, when I was filming that particular shot, with the camera or my camera phone, I right. should say, laying my phone just that comes resting from your it. crappy Android phone. Really? It, it's obviously the Good camera's. Um, I, I filmed it. I didn't film it in 4K because right. I knew that would upset okay. you. Yes, no, fair point. But um, from the back of the engine on the uh, number number two engine on the uh, A380 at Emirates, but that was quite a good. Uh, ah, Fabian's watching us from his couch in Germany. Hello, Fabian. Wow, Hope it's well. very unusual for you to be at home, mate. To be honest. I know. <laughs> But uh, on the note of uh, yeah, on the note of the three hundredth, don't forget those of you who are joining us for the three hundredth show. Um, don't forget if you want to join us for the evening meal, we're all having a bit of a sit-down meal together mm. in the hotel in the evening. Don't forget if you want to come to the meal with us and have some food, uh, make sure you just let us know via email. Uh, unfortunately, um, uh, we're not paying for it. I'm afraid no. you're going to pay pay for yourself. Uh, unfortunately, the unfortunately the, the, yeah. the, the, the P2K <laughs> Patreon budget. Sort of got blown to smithereens with the hire of the, the Renaissance. Hire of the actual uh, and, my, and my new studio and Nev's new studio, which obviously yeah. cost us more fortune. <laughs> Actually, while we're talking about the three hundredth, I wondered uh, if I might be able to announce one of our special guests that we have had well, confirmed this week. Actually, yeah, Matt yeah. is going to uh, announce very quickly. Some of you may know about uh, a certain few people who are joining us for the 300th but Matt, Matt who is joining us for the 300th show well uh, I think he's arriving about 11 a.m. ish UK or he's arriving in the UK I should say around about 11 a.m. ish so uh, what time he arrives at the Renaissance will be dependent on our wonderful customs uh, <laughs> and hopefully <laughs> and Acme force, won't yes. destroy his suitcase oh I see what you did there clever clue mm. oh, he's, he's a funny but well, yeah no <laughs> dear anyway enough of this Captain Jeff is joining us which we're very excited about who? <laughs> Captain Jeff? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you've heard of him, right? Yeah, yeah he's a famous geezer yeah, from the yeah. States. Say, as a, to be fair, the, uh, again, the APG crew have done us proud because they're all trying desperately hard. They are. Uh, Dana as well, which I'm really excited about. It'll be amazing if he, yeah. if he can make it. And also, fingers crossed, And Nick obviously is definitely yeah. there, I should stress. You know. And possibly Dr. Steph as well might be, uh, might be joining us as well yeah, for the 300. So um, loads of... Uh, Celebrities mm. at the 300 show. Absolutely. So, for those of yeah. you who have not and, contacted uh, us yet okay. to come on uh, the 300th, please do email the show and let us know that you want to come to the 300 show. For those of you who may not listen to the live shows, listen to the audio shows, email podcast at plaintalkinguk.com if you want to come and join us at the Renaissance Hotel next Saturday for the yes, live Saturday, 300 the 11th show. of January, absolutely. All you've got to do is say, literally, just to, just bang us a quick email, podcast at plaintalkinguk.com. Spaces are limited. That's why we're having to operate a guest list. Otherwise, we'd just say everybody's welcome to just, just rock up. Mm. But we do have a limit as, as to how many people we're allowed in the room, which is why we've got to run a guest list, as I say. And uh, we are getting quite close to that now. So please, if you would like to, to uh, sort of come, don't haste. Uh, no, what, what don't haste. Be? More haste, less more, more haste, no. less no. Hang no. on, uh, more, more speed, less haste. And no. Anyway, yeah. uh, just send us send an email, email. <laughs> and uh, join us uh, for the three hundredth. Yeah, I uh, can't uh, wait. It's going to ne- be awesome. Nev's already rolling his eyes. Look, no, he's just. Not I, too I can't find the words. <laughs> I, can't, I tell well, you what, Nev. I, 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 I really hope, Nev, that you haven't got to pack that studio away and cool, take yeah, with you absolutely. to the. Uh, well, <laughs> if I did, I'd need a bigger car. That's for sure. Yes, absolutely. I don't think it'll quite fit in the banana. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> anyway, enough of this. Enough of this. So we have got an absolute 
shed load of news to come on the show this week. Uh, we've also got uh, some bits coming up later on the show, both of which are a couple of segments from the Dubai Air Show. Yes. One of them is uh, uh, one of the interviews that a few people have been waiting for. Well, that's the one with the uh, Vice President of Marketing at Boeing, mm. uh, who we talked to on the Boeing stand, me and Nev. Well, so as opposed to the good. Airbus stand, you didn't find them wandering around there. No, no, they, they wouldn't let us in there. Uh, we've <laughs> also, Are you yeah, serious? No, they, okay. they just couldn't be bothered. We, me, me and Nev were far too, uh, you know, Lowbrow. Yeah, we, yeah. You know. Uh, and also we've got uh, another tour, another piece as well from the Motor Talk stand, which is all about their electric pushback trucks. Oh, cool! Which is quite interesting as well. That, yeah. So looking at that. Yeah, no air stairs though. I noticed Gent Niffer would have been very. No, there wasn't any. Air no, there wasn't any air stairs there. Was a Nev? No, not much. Any, no. no. But we've got all that to come, so I suppose we'd better move things along. So we are going to start the show then, as we do First each week. First one of 2020. With our rundown of the weekly news from around the world and the UK. So if you are ready, Nev. Yes, I am. Matt. Uh, yeah, why not? Hit it. <laughs> <laughs> So, kicking off this week's first news story on the foxnews.com website. And uh, we've uh, covered a story a few times on the show about people who, who like to throw money in engines oh, no, really? uh, for good luck, <laughs> which is... Um, it might be good luck, but it's not good luck for the, not good uh, for the, for the engine. Airline. That I do, so the headline here, airline passenger fined 17... Um, G or seventeen thousand, whatever that is, uh, for tossing coins into a plane's engine for good luck. So, a twenty-eight-year-old man in China has been ordered to pay the equivalent of over seventeen thousand dollars. There we go, in damages to an airline after he tossed some coins into the aircraft's engine for good luck last year. Lu Chao was arrested after boarding the. Uh, this has got to be a typo. The Lucky Air flight. In Anqing, in the Anshui province. Is, that is the name of the airline. Really? Uh, yeah. uh, after the airline's crew found uh, two one yen coins on the ground near the aircraft's engine, uh, Lou later admitted he tossed the coins in for good luck prior to the February the 17th, 2019 flight. As a result, the flight was cancelled and Lucky Air was forced to accommodate or find lodging for the aircraft displaced passengers, the South China Morning Post reported. Liu himself was also detained by the police for 10 days. Wow. Days later, Lucky Air announced their intentions to... Sorry, that's so funny. And expressed their intentions to press charges against Liu, who they claimed was responsible uh, for over $20,000 in losses. The incident caused a direct economic loss of nearly 140,000... Is that yen? It is yen, isn't it? Uh, yeah. And the company will press charges against the passenger in accordance with the law. Reps for Lucky Air said in a February statement that not only does tossing coins not give you good luck, it will also endanger the aviation safety and the land you uh, and land you in detention and could be uh, you could be prosecuted as well, they said. Uh, the suit was ultimately filed in May uh, in the South China Morning Post reports, and according to the outlet, Liu was represented by his brother uh, at a subsequent court appearance where the defence argued that Lucky Air should have made an announcement prior to boarding, reminding passengers not to toss coins into the engines. Okay. 
So uh, the court ruled Lou was responsible for 120,000 yen in damages, roughly $17,230, as well as court costs of 459 yen, or around $65. That's, uh, there's a video, actually. Did you, you play the video uh, or the uh, pictures? Or the... Well, I wasn't really sure which one no. you meant, so no. There, there is a, there's a little, little tiny video that, that uh, he doesn't actually well, toss them directly into the yeah, engine. That was for a different story. Was that for a different yeah. story, that one? Yeah, so I didn't play that, sorry. Okay. Um, but uh, it just definitely, I mean, tossing coins into an engine for good luck, I'd can you imagine if everyone done that on a Ryanair flight? Considering most Ryanair flights are boarded via air stairs um, from the uh, from the time, you know, from the time. True, like. yeah, absolutely. It's you know, cause you I, I, do you know? I sort of kind of assumed that most people uh, had the fancy with with Emirates that most of it was where the fancy pods went on the side, mm. and that's how they they entered. Is, are they air stairs? No, what are they called? No. You know where where where, where it's got like, oh, the, the, tripod, um, the tripod yeah, that yeah, comes yeah. out from the terminal building and hooks itself onto. I'm going to get told off so badly by all of my aviation friends now, aren't I? Uh, what is what what is Nev? What is the word I'm looking for? You mean the boarding gate finger thing that comes? That's out. it. That's, that's <laughs> finger <laughs> thing. <laughs> that'll do. There yeah. you are. That's yeah, that, that'll do. Yeah, yeah. But I, jetway I, was the jetway. word I was looking for. That's jetway. the one. That's the one. Thank you. Lovely. Although yeah. I preferred your version. I'll be honest. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, but I, I, I sort of assumed that Emirates, all of theirs, would be that sort of mm. you know configuration where they where they're attaching themselves. Well, it certainly cost more than a few coins anyway. Well, yes, absolutely. So yes. moving on to the next story, Matt. I mean, you. part of me feels a bit sad oh. for this guy actually. All oh, right, okay. Just a little tiny bit because he—I don't think he did it with any malice. He just didn't think about what he did, or or, or, did, or did it say in the article he was a repeat offender? No, it, well, it doesn't. But I—it's no. just one of those things that in life that you just don't do. You know, you don't, yeah. You but know. I'm probably stupid enough if I to, to to do that if I didn't know any better. I honestly couldn't imagine you throwing coins into an aircraft engine, man. I mean, I'd like to think that I've got a bit of common sense about <laughs> me. That I, anyway, sorry, shall we move on to the next story? Before yeah, I mean, you may as well offer the the uh, the pilots a you know a pint of scotch before you fly. You know, oh, have this, guys. Drink well, this. Uh, you know, I mean, if you go back into the sort of like seventies mm. and eighties, I dare say that would have been very successful. Anyway, uh, on to the next story. This is in the Sun newspaper. I love this one. This is <laughs> yeah, good. The absolutely. power of social media. Uh, yes, and the joys of the 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 Sun newspaper being where we apparently get most of our aviation news from. But anyway, the festive fury. Ryanair's Christmas miracle giveaway hijacked by passengers asking for free luggage and better flights. Ryanair's Christmas giveaway didn't quite go according to plan after it was hijacked by hilarious responses from passengers asking for better service and free luggage. The low-cost airline launched their hashtag Ryanair Christmas miracle campaign on Twitter, offering a free 50 euro, that's 42 pound, voucher. To enter, social media users had to tag someone who hated Christmas shopping they wrote on twitter it's hashtag christmas eve eve and time is running out for presents so we have a 50 euro ryanair gift voucher to save you the bother of uh, braving the shops today to enter this competition just tag someone who hates christmas shopping and use the hashtag hashtag ryanair christmas miracle uh, <laughs> however travelers use the handle to vent about ryanair instead asking a number for a number of hilarious things uh, that weren't on the list uh, ben tweeted Getting assigned seats together without paying extra. Hashtag Ryanair Christmas Miracle. <laughs> oh dear. Stacey added, stop making us pay £40 for hand luggage. It's not fun. Hashtag Ryanair Christmas Miracle. I don't think they're getting into the spirit of the competition, you know. Uh, Connor said, a good flight with Ryanair. Hashtag Ryanair Christmas Miracle. 
Oh, that's really unfair. Uh, Matt Roxburgh joked, uh, saw hashtag Ryanair Christmas Miracle trending and thought that someone had managed to get an on-time Ryanair flight for the advertised price with no surcharges. That's really me. George Pinnington had a number of uh, gripes, a transparent pricing policy, smiling and cooperative staff, a pleasant flight experience, and, above all, modest and self-effacing corporate leadership. Hashtag Hashtag. Christmas Ryanair Christmas Miracle. Another person added how about your how about you start recognizing unions and actually employing staff not fobbing them off to crew link then start paying them actual wages and the hours they work and limit days to only two sectors hashtag ryanair do you know i suspect that person might work for them uh, <laughs> probably not i now, bet they wish they'd never ag- asked yeah indeed some didn't agree claiming that ryanair passengers only had themselves to blame there is that anyway uh, i digress there's not really much more to add to that story but safe to say i think the hashtag didn't quite go according to plan. No, <laughs> I mean, if you're going to ask, uh, yeah, if you're going to ask someone to to use a hashtag, always and, a fatal flaw in it, anyone's uh, plan. I mean, yeah. social media really is such a unpredictable beast, isn't it? I couldn't see any hashtag from Nev there. Really, unusually for me. Yes, yeah. if there's a hashtag opportunity, I'm normally On right it. in there. Aren't yes, I? but it's so. Ryanair. To be fair, there's no well, way you'd have yeah. seen it. Let's be honest. Yeah. yeah, you you have them blocked in your filter, don't you? It's, so it's a non-story, really. Yeah. <laughs> So Nev, speaking of non-speaking, right? Nev hates this next story. Oh, does he? I, I think yeah. Carlos get, chooses these stories <laughs> to maximise my irritation. Oh, splendid! <laughs> Can't wait for this. <laughs> and he has succeeded. Oh, it's on the Express.co.uk. Of Say course, no more. <laughs> and the headline: the headline: British Airways fails to make the list of top twenty safest airlines for 2020. Point of order there. It's only the third day of 2020 so far, but we'll, we'll move on. Right. Airline safety is one of the things most concerning travellers today. No, it's not. Uh, it's of the utmost importance, particularly to Britons, with eight out of ten saying that their biggest worry about flying is engine failure. That's not my biggest worry about flying at all. Um, but it says to combat this, many resort to extensive research, relying on forums, reviews and more to discover the best airlines to travel with. And for nervous flyers everywhere, a list of the top 20 safest airlines to fly, fly with has been revealed. The list, which has been compiled by AirlineRatings.com, which is an online uh, airline safety and product rating website, monitors 405 airlines around the world to produce their annual list which ranks the who's who of airlines by just how safe they are. Uh, The list takes into consideration audits from aviation bodies and governments, financial position, pilot training, serious incident records and more. According to AirlineRatings.com editor-in-chief Geoffrey Thomas, these airlines are standouts in the industry and are at the forefront of safety, innovation and launching of new aircraft. For instance, Australia's Qantas has been recognised by the British Advertising Standards Association in a test case as the world's most most experienced airline, Thomas said. Qantas took the top spot, reclaiming its number one title after being named the safest airline in 2015 and 2016, respectively. 
Qantas has been the leading airline in virtually every major operational safety advancements over the past 60 years and has not had a fatality in the jet era, Thomas added. But Qantas is not alone. Long-established airlines such as Hawaiian and Finnair have perfect records in the jet era. Air New Zealand has been honoured for the sixth time on this list and has taken the number two position for its record-breaking performance, multi-award winning in-flight innovations, operational safety, environmental leadership, and motivation of its staff. These factors have stamped the airline as a clear industry leader. Eva Air, which is a Taiwanese international airline, came in third, and this is the sixth year in a row they have been featured on the list. Do they have a big checkbook by each other? No, sorry. Um... Well, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, the airline describes themselves as never compromising for safety and builds corporate culture upon it to educate staff in all positions, whether in the air or on the ground, with or without supervision, to respectively follow the high standard uh, guidelines. Other notable airlines which made the top 20 include Etihad in fourth place, Emirates in seventh, and Virgin Atlantic at 12th. Virgin Atlantic was the only UK carrier to feature and the list, uh, in the list as British Airways failed to crack the top 20. Last year, British Airways was included in the prestigious list. Uh, Thomas told CNN Travel that the airline slid down the rankings due to a combination of fleet age, which is an average of 13.8 years, and the number of incidents, which were not life-threatening, but there was a lot of them compared to other airlines of similar size. Despite not making into this year's top 20, BA still maintains a seven-star rating on airline ratings website. In addition to ranking the safest airlines for 2020, uh, airline ratings also highlighted the safest low-cost carriers for the year, which are uh, they include uh, a uh, Arabia, Flybe, Frontier, HK Express, Indigo, JetBlue, Volaris, Vueling, WestJet and Wizz Air. Uh, the website launched in 2013 and rates the safety of 409 airlines using its seven-star rating system and has been used by millions of passengers from 195 countries. I'm not going to say any more about that story. <laughs> right. Okay. It, it, it'll, it'll get us taken off the air. Will um, it? Right. Okay. Uh, I, 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 just... Did you do this on purpose, Carl? No, no, not at all. Wind never up. You know, I mean, uh, we've, he's only just rejoined us after a very busy period. I'm a bit worried the injunction's going to kick in again, I'll be honest. <laughs> uh, it, it's, it's, it's one of those things, and Neville agree with me, you know, that, that BA get the you know bad rap about this, that, and the other, but when you look at the flights that we've had over the last few months with BA, not only this, has the staff been fantastic, but the, the level of service has been fantastic as well. Mm. And also, I, when it goes wrong, as it can do with any airline, for mm. example, the 777 crash at Heathrow uh, before the threshold of the runway, uh, everybody walked out of that aircraft. Mm. Um, they did. There were some injuries. Yeah. But you know there was there were no fatalities, yeah. and at the end of the day, that that is the, the aim that of the is game. the aim of the game, absolutely. Very and true. also, also, of course, what you don't forget is is the, you know, I mean, BA do have a lot of flights as well, don't they? So the the long and the short of it is, it's like the you know the whole Ryanair thing, isn't it? It's just like you know, they say their percentages of complaints are so much higher, yeah, because so many more people 
are flying oh, yeah. with that airline. So, you know, by sheer definition, you're going to get, you know, perhaps more things shouted about because there are more people using the service. As you say, Very of course, true. with BA, um, you know, you don't hear about all the people unless they've flown to Dubai recently and uh, and happened to be involved in a podcast that may or may not go out once a week. Uh, you're not <laughs> normally sort of, you know, hearing about the fact that they had an amazing experience. You, you know, that's... That's the oh anyway yes so yes I, I feel your pain Nev I shall I shall um, I shall chastise him as soon as the show is mm -hmm. over all right leave it with me so <laughs> the next story as uh, Armando's not here but he did send in this next story this one is on the bizjournals.com and Sun Country will begin cargo flights with Amazon as client number one so Sun Country Airlines is jumping into the cargo business with a major first customer Amazon. Uh, the deal announced by Egan-based Sun Country on Tuesday will add 10 Boeing 737-800 converted freighter aircraft, which will be subleased from Amazon Air and fly under Amazon's light blue livery. Uh, Sun Country will also hire an additional 70 pilots, that's always good news, uh, more maintenance staff and about 20 to 30 headquarters staff to support the new business, uh, the Star Tribune reports. The partnership, they say, with Amazon presents a unique opportunity to signify growth in the airlines, said Sun Country Airlines CEO Jude Bricker. Uh, while the past two years have been focused on scheduled service growth, this exciting opportunity gives us a chance to diversify even further, and they will look forward to working with the partners at Amazon in this new adventure. So Sun Country is, uh, has only a modest cargo business right now, flying packages on its existing passenger routes. The company got its start as a charter airline and expanded into scheduled services with a focus on flights to vacation destinations and a handful of other key markets. Under Bricker and new owners, Apollo Global Management, it's focused on an expansion as a low-cost carrier. The new planes from Amazon are an additional uh, addition to Sun Country's own fleet expansion, the Star Tribune notes. Seattle-based Amazon, meanwhile, has never contracted with a commercial airline for freight, instead dealing with its specialists like Atlas Air and FedEx. But those relationships have been, have, or they've had some bumps, uh, Business Insiders reported, that Amazon threatened to drop its business with Atlas and two other carriers unless they reached a labor deal with their pilots. While FedEx Express said that this summer that it wouldn't renew its shipping deal with Amazon. As the airline industry webs, uh, website Skift notes, the two companies came together nearly a year ago when Bricket approached Amazon with an offer to sell the e-commerce giant a used Boeing 737. Amazon passed but came back later asking if Sun Country would offer cargo flights. For Bricker, the deal is similar to Sun Country's Oops, roots the, as a the, charter uh, business. The, the back of the uh, computer side has just fallen off onto my feet. Don't worry. <laughs> It will also oh, okay. cut down on the seasonality of the Sun Country's tourism-heavy business since cargo peaks in the late fall before the airline's busy months in the late winter. So Minneapolis-St. Paul-based plane watchers will get the chance to see the Amazon airplanes from time to time. And the Tribune notes that some will come there for maintenance but will be flying most often to a 1.5 billion air hub that Amazon is building at Cincinnati Northern Kentucky International Airport. I must admit, I do like that blue that they've got that 737-800 painted in for the Oh, Prime is that the Amazon Prime? Yeah, 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 the Amazon yes, Prime. Yes, yes I, do like, I do like that. Yeah. <laughs> but I didn't realise it had uh, a bit of a sort of to-do with, um, with Atlas and uh, the other big carriers 
but uh, I think they're kind of um, you know moving <laughs> to other airlines to to provide their services. Uh, yeah, that's true. Chris Griggs says in the chat room here, how long was Carlos filming that engine for? It's still going. Uh, I should just stress it's on a loop, uh, Chris. It's not. He didn't actually <laughs> stand there, all there for two and a half hours recording. Yeah, he used his uh, four-hour VHS tape for that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think eight that would have filled even mil. your memory. Yeah, even your memory card, I think, would have been filled up by that. <laughs> so, Matt. Yeah, no, um, I'll be honest with you. I'm dreading this story because it's got the word Japan in the title. But I'll come back to that. Uh, can I just say, actually, uh, a very lovely lady is watching the show at the moment. Do you, you know? Remember our two hundredth episode? Back in the day. Oh, back in the day, yeah. yeah. And do you remember a really rather amazing cake that somebody made for oh, us? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, so the lovely Hayley is watching. I don't know if She's Oscar's watching? There. She is actually no. watching. I, only because I sent her the link. Oh, okay. Anyway, <laughs> she's very excited because she's actually making the cake for our 300th as well. Ooh. I know, because she's lovely like that. And she's very excited because they're edible printer. Not The printer itself isn't edible. I should oh, I was going to say I was going to go around and eat the printer. <laughs> but yeah. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, so if I'm distracted during the show, it's because I'm sending her the, the PTUK logo so that she can... Uh, um. Oh, it's a dubby. shame she couldn't send us cake. Right, okay. Um, I mean, <laughs> don't. Because don't, I know what she... No. You know where Matt lives. <laughs> Feel actually, free to come in while we're doing a live show. It, it's okay. Don't panic. <laughs> Nev right. will just you feel really... You really don't have to, Hayley. I was going to say, the, the, the 200th cake... <laughs> Um, sorry, the cake for the 200th show is what I mean. Yes. Um, was absolutely outstanding. And do you know the most amazing thing about it was it was, uh, and, and she'll correct me if I get this wrong because I'll get a WhatsApp if I get it wrong. And it, it was literally because it was soya free, dairy free, and gluten free. So it, it really was suitable for anybody. To, to eat and nobody would ever have known that it was a, mm. a, a special cake like that so uh, we have something very similar coming for the 300 if you are coming and I don't know if I'm allowed to say what the design is I'll have to see no. if I get a message I'm not I'm not no. okay I'm not allowed to say what the design is actually before we, before say, it is impressive before I'm, we move on to the next story can okay. I just make a mention yeah, yeah, especially on. for you Matt can yeah. I just say a big thanks because I, I know uh, Mama Smith watches the show and uh, I will say that we had the most amazing Christmas cake this year, <laughs> cooked by Mama Smith. Yes, yes. And I tell you what, for those lovers of fruitcakes, yeah. oh my God. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, moving yes, on to the good. next story. Yes. Now, uh, yeah. I, I d this story was quite good because I thought to myself... Free flight. No, I'm scared because it's got the word Japan on it, mm. which means there's going to be lots of things in it I don't know how to pronounce. Yeah, okay. So, Owen, if you're still in the chat room, please be on standby. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Okay, here we go. So this is on the AirlineRatings.com website. And the headline is, Japan Airlines offers 50,000 free flights to international tourists. So here we go. Uh, Japan Airlines is offering international tourists of up to 100,000 free domestic seats in 2020 as part of a national tourism campaign. Um, the seats will be available between July and September 2020 as part of Your Japan 2020 uh, campaign. Because, of course, that's where the Olympics is, isn't it? That's probably what some of this is, is, is about. Um, to be launched this year by the Japan Tourism Agency and the Japan National Tourism Organization. The winner trip to JAL plan, a promotion will offer uh, international visitors 50,000 return flights to... I can say that would be a bit harsh, isn't it? One way. <laughs> 
<laughs> you have to buy you get your own flight. Yeah, you can't get home. Uh, anyway, sorry. The Winner Trip promotion uh, will uh, offer international visitors 50,000 return flights to regional Japanese destinations they might not have otherwise visited. Uh, JAL says it will recommend two tourists four destinations and they will get an email with three days of departures telling them when, uh, telling them where they're going to fly. Uh, groups of up to four people can apply and the itinerary must be completed within 10 days of the first flight. Uh, the offer will apply to JAL Group domestic routes from Tokyo's oh, Haneda? Haneda Airport and Osaka and Kansai. Osaka, Kansai and Itami. Itami Airports, thank you. Uh, <laughs> this, this is where it becomes very obvious. I know nothing about aeroplanes. Uh, the campaign will be launched in late February and eligible, I nearly said edible, that's because we were talking about cakes, uh, <laughs> eligible participants must live outside Japan and be a JAL mileage bank member. Oh. Damn. Rubbish, yes, absolutely. It is open to foreign passport holders or Japanese citizens who are permanent residents of another country. The promotion coincides with the Tokyo Summer Olympics from the 24th of July to the 9th of August. Oh, God, no, because when I looked, I thought, ah, oh, that's one of the places that I really yeah. would love to go to, yeah, Japan. Absolutely. And now I've read that you've got, you've got to live outside Japan, or we tick that box, but my JAL mileage bank member, I don't think... I've got that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you? No. no. Uh, what now? Never, never probably. I've already lost interest in the story, I'll be honest. Uh, <laughs> no, this is a good idea. Do you not agree? Would you not agree that it it's is. a good promotion I, for I, JL? I, no, it's great, I think yeah. it's a great idea. Yeah. If, if you've got the, the points and all the, you know, all yeah. the JL I, I mean, they're, they're going to get quite a lot of promotion already at the end of the day because obviously the Olympics are going there, aren't they? So, I mean, most people will. I bet, I bet you the flights won't involve like the ability to go to the Olympics. It won't coincide. I bet oh, that'll no. be quite a busy time around there. I don't think mm. they'll be um, filling empty seats around then. Have, have you uh, been to Japan, Nev? I can't remember with you. I have only, only once, um, and I flew with SAS from Copenhagen on a yeah. 767 uh, back in the day. And um, it's still a long way. I mean, even from from Copenhagen it was a good 13 hour flight yeah. um, but it's it's a fascinating country and I only just got saw see small bits of Tokyo I've got to say but uh, it was it was really really good really interesting place yeah so Nev sticking with you for the next story and uh, yes yeah. Well, I'm not irritated by this story. Oh, You'll be pleased glorious news. Uh, so that's good. <laughs> Thanks for that. Uh, it's on the Forbes.com website. Um, titled, The Most Bizarre Services Offered by Airlines from In-Flight Massages to Choosing Seatmates on Facebook. <laughs> In the era when commercial aviation is becoming, well, more commercialized, many airlines are hitting the headlines for removing services rather than adding new and quirky services for passengers. Sometimes for consumers, it's the little things that make all the difference. Granted, many airlines are quick to add nice little perks for premium passengers in first and business class. But what about those nice little extras that all of us can enjoy? Uh, and so this um, website takes a look at some of the most interesting services offered by airlines around the world. How about this? Choosing your seat mate. Uh, well, the Dutch airline KLM introduced a meet and seat service 
that allow passengers to check out other passengers' Facebook or LinkedIn profiles before selecting seats. This could be quite an interesting feature, particularly for long flights if passengers are looking to meet new and interesting people. Obviously, the feature requires passenger consent, but it could certainly be a little creepy. Just a little, yes. <laughs> How about this one? Blind bookings. The German airline German Wings allows passengers to select a broad range of requirements for a trip, such as shopping, shopping or partying. And then after selecting your dates, it allows passengers to book blind, so to speak. So you don't find out the destination you're flying to until after booking. And if you're not satisfied with playing travel roulette, then tough luck. It's the true modern-day form of sticking a pin in a map and seeing where you go. Exciting or terrifying? Take your pick. Let alone visa requirements and, you know, entry <laughs> stuff and what have you. This is a bit more like it, though. A lay-flat bed in economy. Well, Air New Zealand has offered a cuddle class on some of its very long-haul flights in economy. For a select amount of passengers travelling in a pair, there is the option to buy a third seat for half the price. The benefit of this is that the three seats together in economy can be converted into a bed by a clever fold-out feature where the passenger's legs normally are. Just as well, Al's not on this show. <laughs> Moving on. Yes. Today, isn't it? Yes. Um, this one I've seen before, virtual reality headsets. Now, granted, this is for first-class passengers, but, the, uh, but Qantas now offer passenger VR headsets to pass the time. The headset shows passengers a 360-degree view of the runway, lounges on board an A380 aircraft, and even Australian national parks. What about massages on board? Well, Air Malta, somebody's favourite airline, oh, uh, introduced an onboard spa and massage service for its What's economy. That? That's 37 minutes into the first show of 2020. <laughs> yes. Great, lovely. Um, we'll talk about Malta later on, maybe. Oh, uh, really? But, um, so they offered this service back in 2015, and they said they wanted to push smaller projects to increase passenger satisfaction and uh, free head and shoulder massages on selected flights for all passengers was just the start of this. As you can imagine, the service has proved very popular. Final one, Hello Kitty themed aircraft. Eva Airways offers flights on an A330 aircraft that is completely Hello Kitty themed. Global phenomena uh, goes down a storm with everything from staff uniforms to amenity kits, meals, and even the seats being in line with a Hello Kitty theme. As you can imagine, the flights are very popular and the aircraft is instantly recognisable from the Hello Kitty livery. I'm, I'm not sure I would be suitable uh, for that. You, you see, now, actually, I mean, I was, about, I was about to start mocking this, if I'm brutally honest, but then suddenly occurred to me, I can think of several people who are probably not a million miles away from me here, uh, and perhaps down the line in, you know, in the delights of Buckinghamshire, where mm. a decision could well be made on what aircraft they fly on based on the livery of the plane. For example, the BAE livery with the BA sort of... With the BOAC so, stuff, yeah, you know, yeah. whilst we're mocking the fact, you know, uh, you know, Hello Kitty and not choosing to, you know, I, I, I can think of two people here who might, uh, so, well, certainly on the type of aircraft make their decision as to work, which one they're going to fly and work, because, you know, we want to fly a 7-4 for the last time or whatever, or, mm. you know, perhaps one of the retro liveries, which have which sort of, yeah, uh, you know. We, the, we didn't get the chance for that, that's a shame, really. It would have been nice to have um, had the 7-4 that we came home on there with the uh, BOAC livery. 
Yes, well, uh, Tanya is coming from the US to London on a 747 with BA. <gasps> so I wonder if she might be on the BOAC one or the Landor. Landor, oh, wow, that would be awesome. Yeah, yeah, I bet. We'll have to I see. Bet. We'll have to see. Yeah. Right, so moving on to the next story. Nev. No, he's just... Is it me? No, it's me. I think Nev's just done a story, hasn't he? I have just done one. Oh, just done That's me. Sorry, you're right, I'm right, half asleep. Comes. No, no. <laughs> So moving on to the next story. Uh, this one, oh, I've got a Fox News one again. And uh, this headline, EasyJet passenger says airline left a gaping hole in his luggage. These stories always amaze me, you know, because it's nothing to do with the airline. It's the ground handlers that normally put holes in I know, holes but in, in, in defence of Mr. Layman, of course, the default position when you have a problem like this is you have to start airline, with the airline. Yeah. So in their, def in, you know, in, mm. you know I, I get what you're saying, but, yeah, no. you know. An EasyJet passenger was left fuming after someone set fire. No, uh, after at the end airline returned his checked luggage with a gaping hole in the middle. Peter Richardson from Warrington claims the damage was worth $238 with his oh, suitcase broken and clothes ruined. <laughs> Richardson, who was travelling from Manchester Airport to Arasifi, Arasifi. I can never get this one right. Is Arasifi in Land? Oh, it's in Lanzarote anyway. Lee and Lisa and Lee would know that one. Uh, they would. Uh, when the airline right. totally destroyed his suitcase, pictures show how his bag had a hole punched through it. The soles of a pair of shoes in the bag were completely mangled, and a pair of shorts <laughs> totally destroyed. Um, for those of you watching YouTube, you can see the pictures on the screen. So the 51-year-old says that while the airline reimbursed the costs of his bag for $53, he was initially offered just $76, or a $93 EasyJet voucher. Why is this all in dollars? It's a UK airline. Uh, to replace the $185 worth of damaged clothing. He has also accused the company of making it as difficult as possible to make a claim. A furious Richardson took to social media to complain to the airline. He posted the photos with the caption, If you're ever asked to put your bag in the hold, don't bother. They did this to my bag, and a month later, all I've had back is the cost of a new bag, and to an offer of half the value of the damaged items. He says that if he'd not followed it up vigorously, uh, vigorously he doubts that anything would have happened uh, as sleazy jet, as he puts. I'm not oh, interested dear. in resolving this kind of issue. Policy is clearly to make it as difficult as possible to recover the cost of items. And uh, he said that would someone from EasyJet like to discuss the matter, he put. The airline has since performed a full U-turn after Richards complained on social media about his treatment and offered to fully reimburse his costs. Speaking uh, this week, Richardson said that uh, we think it uh, occurred at the airport, uh, and that's when the case was returned to us. They refunded the case and the shoes and the flip-flops and the shorts that cost 185 Where did he buy these shorts and flip-flops from? Blimey. Um, B&M. The offer was based on half the approximate value of the original goods, and there has been a development. They said that they came back and offered him a full refund of all the items purchased. Uh, he also stated that he also wanted the cost of the flight to be refunded due to the amount of time he spent on this problem. This has now been agreed to. Well, he certainly got his own way by complaining on social media. It's mm. always a good way to go down somewhere. It's you certainly your favourite method of uh, getting At the attention moment, from yes. large companies, isn't it? It is a mess, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, just actually noting that the picture 
if you never probably see this as well or notice this, but on the pictures on this story, the actual suitcase itself, if you look at where the wheels are on the bottom of the suitcase, the wheels are actually ground down to a flat kind of... Oh, you think it's been dragged across it something? It could yeah. well have been dragged under something or <laughs> with something and obviously ripped apart but um let's have a look at that again while while, yeah. while we're talking about it we i must go. say i mean neville if you look at the see the wheel see the wheel at mm. the uh, bottom of yes the, yeah it's ground down to a perfect sort of half moon flat shape. bit yes yeah. yeah but i just wonder if it's got stuck in the you know the baggage handling system yes. that they use uh, ah. it's got caught in one of those things um uh, that, uh, I'm a that, great so. lover of hard shell cases myself. I mean, mm. stuff does go wrong, though. I mean, mm. I'm sorry that this. I mean, uh, this would be more of a story if they. Uh, well, I mean, as uh, doubt anything would have. I mean, I, I'm sure the airline would sort this out. Surely. Mm. Uh, am I missing something here? I mean, uh, you know, I, no, the, the airline. All the most airlines have a standard procedure they follow yeah. with a standard amount of compensation yeah, yeah, yeah. and stuff for, for lost things. That it all boils down to the fact that nine times out of ten people don't bother with insurance, holiday insurance. No, no. Um, for those who do, most decent holiday insurance policies will cover up to a certain amount of um, right, damage yes. to case and clothes and stuff like that, yeah. which nine times out of ten is way more than you've actually probably took on holiday with you. Oh, yeah, you know, absolutely. Clothing, yeah. So. I dare say. So the next story, Matt, is yep. uh, one that was sent in again by the legend that is Armando. Okay, so this is on the AV Web head, uh, website, avweb.com. Uh, and the headline is, FAA releases new video. Oh, that's going to work really well, seeing as I'm the one that presses the buttons, I know. Carlos. Uh, <laughs> Remember, we were, we were a four-man team before. Good yeah. point. All right, yeah. I'll, I'll shut up then. Uh, <laughs> FAA releases new video for ADSB Adapt program. So, with the ADS-B out, mandate uh, a week away, uh, there are still scores of aircraft not yet equipped, meaning that they can't legally fly in rural airspace after the first of January without a waiver. Turns out, the waiver, part of the FAA's ADS-B deviation authority pre-flight tool, Adapt program isn't hard to get but it is uh, but it is online only so the FAA has created a step-by-step -step video to walk pilots through the process uh, in short to use adapt you must uh, so you have to apply for the waiver no more than 24 hours before a flight and no later than one hour before departure. Uh, the flight has to leave within two hours of the estimated time. Fill out the form with your departure, destination and route of flight and the system will tell you whether you're likely to get approval for the waiver. If that response is positive, you fill out a few more fields including your email address and then formally submit the request. Uh, the email response you get from the FAA constitutes uh, official approval to fly into rural airspace without ADS-B uh, but uh, not all routes and airports will receive an automated approval including uh, those beginning or ending at capacity constraint report airports. Uh, how many times can you use ADAPT? According to the AOPA's guidance uh, on the matter it's not likely to be unlimited. Uh, the FAA created ADAPT as an interim measure to allow non-conforming aircraft a way to get to a location where they can be equipped uh, and for those aircraft with installed but in operative ADS-B out systems to get repair service. Um, 
that's a great story. I've read it. I still don't understand what it's talking about. ADSB out, Matt. So, Automatic <laughs> okay. Dependent Surveillance Broadcast, right. ADSB. Okay. So, no, you know when you go on Flight Radar 24? No, but yes. I mean, I've heard on your of, phone. I've heard of Flight Radar 24. The, you've yes, been yeah. on the app. You've yeah, got okay, on the app on your right, phone. Yeah. And you look on the screen, you see all those little planes that are flying around yes. the world and okay. stuff like that. So, ADSB aircraft they need this system to it transmits a, a signal um via kind of satellite. so what sort of aircraft uh, don't have it it's not on not all ga aircraft have them so right if you look at say the parachute plane at beckles that stewart flies um, yeah. That has this system. Yeah, so yeah. if you go on Flight Radar 24, you'll be able to see Stuart in the air. That. You'll be able to see his speed, altitude, heading, uh, track him on the radar, okay. see where he's going. Um, some of the Cessna 150s and 172s have this system on board. Okay. You can track them. But there are a lot. There'll be times when, say, when you're driving, say you're driving down to Heathrow and, and you're getting close to Heathrow, there's a lot of GA air airports in and around Heathrow and Gatwick. You'll see the little Cessnas flying around. You'll go on your phone, but they won't be on there. Because right. they don't have this system right, on okay. board, so it's okay. it's a way. So, so it's so essentially this this change this rule change, if you like, is that basically everybody must have it now. Yeah, the, I mean, they'll, but there'll come a time when the, and this the, is the big, only the US, isn't it? Yeah, the, the yeah, big yeah, the big problem yeah. is it's not a cheap system, so it, right, it's not okay. you know a few no. quid. To, no, because presumably uh, you need some kind of data connection. Yeah, and error. Yeah, okay. I'll tell you who trialed one of the or trialed a unit uh, of one of these units. That was uh, you know Dan Gay from Seething, who's yeah, got yeah, the yeah, Long yeah, Easy. Yeah. That night, the, Long Easy. Yeah, he trialed one of these in his aircraft, and uh, he's got one now um, okay. installed in there. Cool. He loves it. Yeah, okay. and it's good because it enables you know friends and relatives to sort of look on the phone and say, "Oh, there he is." Yeah, so it's good. It's a good little system. Mm. Nev, any other thoughts no. on that? Not really. Okay. <laughs> He's too busy playing with his new studio. <laughs> so, Nev, uh, next story about uh, a really state-of-the-art aircraft. Yes, I, I, I don't understand this story, but I'm, I'm going to persevere with it. Uh, you didn't understand. I didn't understand the last one, mate. It's a true no, club. <laughs> well, that's fair enough. Um, so it's on the flightglobal.com website. Nice font, nice font. It yeah. is. Uh, it says that Blo Boeing clashes with the FAA over 727 auxiliary tank explosion risk. Uh, well, uh, Boeing and the US FAA have clashed over a safety modification for Boeing 727s with the regulator rejecting three attempts by the airframer to have the proposal withdrawn. Uh, the FAA's concern centers on 727s fitted with Boeing's body-mounted auxiliary fuel tanks. It argues that the fuel quantity indicating system presents a potential electrical ignition source and within 12 months, operators should either modify the system to eliminate the risk of explosion or deactivate the fuel tanks. But Boeing has objected to the requirement on three fronts. It insists its own safety assessment shows that the 727 does not have an unsafe condition, that the likelihood of an undetected latent electrical fault of the indicating system is extremely remote and that the type's vulnerability is limited. Boeing points out that 272 aircraft were built with the auxiliary tanks, but only six were operated under FAA jurisdiction when the modification was originally proposed. The FAA, however, has refused to withdraw the directive, which takes effect on the 4th of February this year. It says that Boeing uh, did not give specific details about its safety assessment, whereas the FAA believes the architecture, along with the component installation design details, present a risk 
which requires corrective action. Boeing has previously acknowledged that the 727 auxiliaries are high flammability tanks and the FAA says the combination of an in-tank wire fault and a hot short outside of the tank could result in an ignition source. There are similarities between 727 fuel quantity indicating system architecture and that of the 747 variant involved in the fatal loss of TWA Flight 800 through a fuel explosion in July 1996. Boeing claims the fleet exposure is continuing to decline as a result of aging and retirements and that the FAA's proposals will generate unnecessary costs and will not advance air safety. The FAA counters that it's obliged to inform about aircraft affected by safety issues regardless of where they are operated, adding that its determination of the unsafe condition was not driven by a fleet risk assessment. It also accuses Boeing of contradicting itself over the probability of an undetected latent electrical fault condition in the indicating system after the airframer submitted special Federal Aviation Regulation reports stating that a latent in-tank failure condition could not be claimed to be extremely remote. Boeing sought an extension to the 12-month uh, compliance interval, but the FAA has refused, stating that the period is adequate, although it will consider requests for extensions if sufficient data is submitted to justify such a measure. The FAA has also turned down a Boeing request to revise the cost estimate. A couple of things uh, strike me immediately here. Uh, the 727 is not exactly a current production aircraft. That doesn't mean that they shouldn't make it as safe as they can. But also, I just get the feeling that with the stuff that's been going on with the 737 MAX, that the FAA are trying to get in first and uh, to make sure that there's no uh, repeat of, of what's uh, been alleged uh, between Boeing and the FAA. Uh, on, on the 737 MAX mm. aircraft. I could be, it's just my own personal opinion and not an opinion of the plane talking UK. <laughs> uh, but it does seem a, a bit odd to me, that's all I would say. No, you're not wrong there. But I, just, I was just looking at just a bit of the back history and it was um, first flew February 1963, uh, introduced into service in 1964 in February with Eastern Airlines. And just looking down at some of the current users of the aircraft, one of which we've seen at Farnborough, which was or which is the Oil Spill Response Limited, uh, who use the 727. Um, as also, um, there's oh, plenty of countries around the globe, anyway, including Colombia. There's some in Iraq, Mexico, um, that are used um, by various different companies for either cargo and there's some cargo passenger variants as well in the air. But uh, yeah. Seems strange that now, after all these years, I mean, I don't think there's been a huge amount of incidents with the seven two anyway. No, and there's only history. a uh, there's only there's not that many aircraft which are fitted with these auxiliary tanks. But um, yes, I, I'm all for you know safety being right up there, and it's better to be safe than sorry. But uh, bearing in mind, I don't know how much longer this seven two seven is going to be operational in countries around the world. Not not that much longer, I wouldn't have thought. So um, it'll be interesting to see what. What happens here but so boeing probably could do without the extra extra costs at the moment due oh, to well, yes, other, other things that are going on there is there something else going on with boeing i, I just sort of see to, mm. yeah uh, yes. it's, it's just uh, it's the auxiliary tanks forgive my naivety here i presume is that to, to give additional range is that yeah, what the yeah. auxiliary yeah. tanks are all about yeah, yeah, yeah. okay extra yeah. fuel the extra fuel essentially yeah. yeah so the next story moving on is on flight global again and uh, this one 
This one is uh, one of our favourites here, I think, uh, on the show. We, we do love a good old-fashioned evacuation where passengers carry their entire belongings with them whilst the aircraft is exploding behind them. <laughs> anyway, this one on Flight Global. Passenger evacuate AirAsia A320 via the slides carrying bags. So an AirAsia A320 made an emergency landing on the 30th of December at Langkawi with passengers disembarking via three of the slides. The aircraft was operating AK9327 from Kuala Lumpur and says the airline and it cites a technical issue for the turn back. Media reports citing spokesman per person at the airport say the aircraft turned back three minutes into the flight. Videos on social media show passengers carrying luggage evacuating down the slides as well as the rear slide uh, and it doesn't appear that the emergency exits located above the wings were opened or the right rear door. The video suggests a certain lack of urgency and passengers remained rel relatively close to the aircraft after evacuating. Yes. <laughs> it says on here that there were no signs of smoke on the or fire and a ground power unit is also visible near the aircraft's forward landing gear. The replacement flight was subsequently arranged to, to uh, fly the passengers to Kuala Lumpur and AirAsia did not provide the number of passengers crew but reports uh, suggest a total of 157 passengers. Flight tracking site suggests the aircraft involved bears registration 9 Mike Alpha Golf Uniform. Uh, Surin Fleet's database shows that the CM56 powered aircraft was delivered uh, to the airline in December 2017, so relatively a new aircraft. But yeah, another one of those wonderful videos where passengers are um, disembarking with their I luggage. do love it when they do that, you know. It's, it's really good news. It's, uh, However, there, there, is, there is one redeeming feature about all of that, I'm pleased to okay. say. Yes, Apart from wait. the fact it was on the Flight Global, so it's we like video. It's going to be the video. The video was actually in the correct format. I know. It wasn't mm. um, vertical video, which I know is exactly. a, a personal favourite of yours, Nev, obviously. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> so I, I think that's, that's a winner, as far as I'm concerned. Certainly. Couldn't agree more. <laughs> there we no, are. this next one... Uh, you probably Matt, you've, you might have seen the uh, the videos for this have been we'll circulating see. through oh, social yes, media. Oh I think I did. I, I shall, I shall, I'll have yes. to play it at the end, unfortunately. But anyway, simple flights. Yep. Simple flying. Sim simple flying. Uh, Air Canada triple seven hits Airbus A three twenty one, spinning it on the spot. Really? Was it that dramatic? It was really good. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah. Earlier this week, two Air Canada jets uh, enjoyed a New Year's high five <laughs> as a Boeing 777 clipped the tail of a... Sorry, it's a very serious story. I shouldn't be laughing. Clipped the tail of an Airbus A321 while manoeuvring at Toronto Pearson Airport. The collision... Is that where you, you did your... Layover when you, when we when we went to Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Mm, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, the collision led to the A321 performing an elegant pirouette on the spot as it dragged as as it dragged around. When you watch it, you'll see what I mean. Of the larger plane, both aircraft are undergoing repair. Really, there's a surprise. Uh, no passengers were on board at the time of the incident. So what happened? An Air, an Air Canada Boeing triple seven clipped its smaller fleet mate, an Airbus A321, uh, as it was moving on the apron at the airport, the larger plane wingtip struck the tail fin of the Airbus, causing it to spin right around on the spot. A bystander caught the incident on camera. The incident occurred on the 27th of December 2019 at uh, Toronto Pearson International Airport. 
The Boeing 777 involved was under tow at the time. Uh, the two aircraft involved were Charlie Foxtrot Indigo Union Lima. Uniform. Uniform. Oh, so close. Uh, <laughs> a 12-year-old 777-300ER and uh, Charlie Golf Juliet Whiskey Oscar and, a and an A321-200 of 17.4 years old. Uh, okay, so uh, while while you talk amongst yourselves, for yeah, a minute, I, will, I, I will attempt to... Uh, I, I saw that there's the a few up. few videos, there's two main ones circle out on social media, but um, Matt will play the, the video in a moment. Okay, but uh, I have apologies in advance, Nev. Oh, yeah, about the video. I hope, I hope it's not going to be vertical video. Oh, it, it might be anyway. Oh, there, there I mean, if you just <laughs> if you just watch, it's it's kind of it's as if it's kind of sneaking up on the right, little okay. on the Airbus it's, it's in stealth mode. In yeah, stealth absolutely. mode, right, and, the, okay. and the Boeing's like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna, gonna, I'm gonna you. get you. Yeah, and then if you watch, Matt, it's a really gentle little kind of pirouette are you ready there we go oh yes yeah absolutely obviously this is terrible for those of you listening to the audio podcast i apologize for that in advance um and do they keep going or i think i think at this point he's obviously hit the aircraft and the guy who's towing the triple seven having a meltdown oh oh no oh and then he carries on Okay, very good. This is yeah. not the first time this has happened either uh, recently because there was, I forget which airport it was, uh, it was an uh, Air France A380 did the same to a oh, wow. smaller regional jet uh, and it spun it not quite as... Um, uh, elegantly oh. as, as that uh, that was for sure i'm sure it's on youtube somewhere but i can't remember which airport that was at but uh yeah uh, was it in paris or was it somewhere else maybe a u.s airport but uh yeah same story there except i think the difference there was that the air france a380 had a uh, full load of passengers on board as well oh, the, both of these aircraft were empty at the time. right okay i mean uh, i mean i'm sure it was was it only oh, i say last week or the week before i mean we've had a christmas break so it was probably a while ago but yeah. a few weeks ago i mean we sort of with alarming regularity we are um, dings. there are dings involving tugs mm. um you notice where it's it, i can't think immediately of any uh in, i'm sure there have been but i can't think of anything immediately where uh while the aircraft was being moved by the pilot uh was there a oh, these are these are both under tug yeah uh, exactly pole. yeah so but one is... of the points that armando's picked mm. up on before with these stories yeah. and it's been if you look at the comments on that particular story below mm. everyone is saying shouldn't have scrimped on the wing walkers obviously the people well who yes check. Yeah, yeah no fair point yeah 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 i get i get, I get what you're saying yeah. it's uh, could have it's... saved a food quid there well, if nothing mm. else, I mean, do, do you think you reach it? Mind you, as, uh, this, this, this is the other thing, I suppose. It's two. Uh, it's the same airline that it's happened to, so it's two planes that they yeah. have that have been clipped. I mean, presumably that one might not be dealt with by insurance companies at all. It might, all but it must it also it must cost impact the airline itself quite a bit because not only obviously have you got the damage, which is going to cost a few quid to, to fix, yeah. but you've obviously got two aircraft that are now completely off the um, yeah. off the line and can't be used, yeah. uh, which. Obviously, uh, we have a local listener oh, do we? at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember a chap by the name of Jonathan Powley? Jonathan Powley. No, okay. Or no. I used to, used to work. Well, he still works in the place that was your favourite place. Oh, blimey. Okay. <laughs> Moving swiftly on. <laughs> anyway, hello, Johnny. You're right. So, uh, the last story, uh, Nev, um, is um, regarding some interesting paint jobs. It is. And it's on the pointsguide.co.uk. It's a good website. You'll like this one, actually. man. Some good pictures. 
and uh, yes, oh, lots of pictures on this one. Yes. Um, so airlines use their aircraft liveries as a major part of their branding efforts, but sometimes airlines will roll out special liveries for reasons including uh, spotlighting cities they serve, promoting a movie, or highlighting a dream destination. So here are 10 uh, really quite wacky airline liveries. Um, United Airlines, their Star Wars one, well, United partners with uh, Lucasfilm to create the special livery on a 737-800 to celebrate the movie Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker, uh, the epic conclusion of the triple trilogy that was the brainchild of the award-winning producer and director George Lucas. Air New Zealand have got The Hobbit, and back in November 2012, the country's flag carrier honoured The Hobbit, an unexpected journey when it was released with this specially painted Boeing 777-300. Uh, the jet served as a great vehicle to showcase the work of native son, Sir Peter Jackson, who filmed the series in New Zealand more Hello Kitty again. I can't <laughs> believe we've actually got an episode where there's two, two sections, references, yes, two references to Hello Kitty. But yes, Eva Air's uh, Hello Kitty one. Uh, they, in 2005, the Taiwan-based carrier worked with uh, Japan's Sanrio uh, to create a fleet of seven Hello Kitty branded jets. The themed aircraft, including uh, headrests, pillows, air sickness bags, and even toilet paper. Oh, with just the what Hello you need. Kitty brand. <laughs> just what you need if you're going to be sick in air, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. In fact, um, I, I think in Nev's case, I think the Kitty, the Hey Kitty bag alone would be enough to make you throw up in it. But anyway, that's can't, just, can't find the, 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 words, the words there at nope. all. Uh, <laughs> so you can even eat grilled vegetables and food shaped like Hello Kitty during mealtime. <laughs> wow. Wow. Uh, how about this one? Alaska Airlines. Uh, in 2009, Alaska Airlines unveiled its Spirit of Disneyland uh, to a Boeing 737-900 jet as part of its partnership with the iconic Anaheim, California-based amusement park. It featured Disney characters Mickey and Minnie Mouse, Pluto, Goofy and Donald Duck. Uh, how about this one from Southwest Airline, where they're known for painting its jets to honour the state they serve. Some may prefer more flashy state liveries, but uh, people usually have been a, a fan of this one called New Mexico One, which the airline unveiled in 2000. Uh, it features a depiction of the state's official flag, uh, anchored by the ancient symbol of the state's Sierra Pueblo Indians. Uh, jets Blue, uh, they uh, weren't around during the jet age in the 1960s but back then the airlines took to the skies with liveries including United's Friendship, uh, American's uh, Astrojet and uh, Delta's The Widget. So in November 2016 the New York based carrier introduced the What's Old is Blue Again livery to pay homage to 1960s travel. This is a very wacky one I've got to say from Brussels Airlines. Uh, the airline wanted to highlight Belgium's national icon so it created a fleet of four jets play, paying homage to the comic hero Tintin, uh, surrealist painter René Magritte, uh, the Smurfs and the Red Devils national football team and the music festival Tomorrowland. Uh, ANA, uh, they had a, 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 um, that is a busy uh, one. 747400, uh, which was the first of 10 Pokemon themed oh, aircraft dear. in 1998. Uh, by April 2016, ANA's Pokemon fleet was retired. 
and uh, <laughs> say no more. <laughs> yeah, uh, WestJet uh, had a uh, Boeing 737-800, which was revealed in October 2015. It was a collaboration between the airline and Disney. It was WestJet's second Disney aircraft design. It took 21 days of 12-hour rotations with crew of six painters working 24/7 at a Fort Worth-based paint facility to complete the design which also included sparkles to make the jet shimmer. Now, Nev, it, the next one has been designed especially for Matt. This is one of my favourite ones, mm. actually. I really like this one. This is uh, Koala Flight 101. Now, this is, I this feel South I should Af be offended. <laughs> Honestly, this is brilliant. But the South Airlines low-cost carrier wants to have some fun demystifying the art of flying. It created this special livery in 2013 to explain <laughs> like how all of the parts of the plane work. Well, I think that's really good. Oh, and actually, really if, you, cool, yeah. if you've seen the the full size uh, picture of that somewhere on the internet, it's uh, actually quite. Uh, <laughs> I, quite I just love stunning. the way it says front, front door. door. Yeah, absolutely. It says here, this door is always this door is always open unless we're at forty one thousand feet. Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah so if you're at thirty nine thousand feet, it's open. It's open. That? Yeah. Right. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> Excellent. I like it. <laughs> Yeah, that um, there is a full, as Nev said, there is a full size picture of that aircraft, yeah. the Koala uh, Koala one, um, online. It does; it's quite good because they they explain literally every part of the outside right. of the okay. aircraft has got um, <laughs> lovely. Some so I, I, essentially, what you're telling me is I need to do a walk round of that plane and then I'll be I'll you, be fine. You'd you'd, yeah. you'd boss yeah. it. I tell I'd, you honestly, you, you'd yeah, be absolutely. so good. You'd a be bit so good. like, can I say, a bit like how Nev bossed it in the quiz. The Christmas oh, quiz. I yeah, for those of you I thought I might just mention it. I know, for know? those of you who haven't seen the, the Christmas special, we, we, I yeah. put together a, a special quiz for the, for the hosts and the guest hosts. Yes, yes. And a certain PTUK host completely... Yes. Might have nailed it. Completely yeah. nailed it. Bearing in mind, none of the other hosts had seen the questions apart from me and Matt. And uh, Nev, well, it's safe to say, Nev, you did... Um, you did rather excel there. Well, well, yeah, that's very nice of you. But um, it, yes, it was. Um, some of them were quite difficult, actually. That, that was a bit, a few of them a bit tricky. But um, <laughs> they were. Yeah. All these years of aviation weirdness <laughs> have, yeah, have paid off. Yeah, absolutely. What yeah. What did he win again? Um, what did his team win again? Oh, I forget what the scores were. No, oh, okay. we did have them written down here. No, somewhere. no, they're, they're, I'm afraid they've been treaded. Oh, they've been treaded. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it was confidential, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, it was highly, highly, highly confidential. Yeah, uh, I think <laughs> I think your your team won by a fair mark. I right. think. Right. Yes. Yeah. Um, indeed. Yeah. Nev, def definitely yeah. some winning involved. Yeah. <laughs> so that is where we bring the commercial news segment to a close. So uh, we're going to hand things over to uh, Nev to introduce the next part. of the show yes we've got a couple we've actually got uh, four more interviews uh from dubai 2019 to share with you and this is one of them this was a great one actually uh, it's always difficult to get hold of people when you're at these big air shows unless you've made an appointment but actually we did rather well with this one because we went up to uh the boeing booth and they very kindly granted Carlos an interview with Randy Tinseth, who's uh, Boeing's Vice President of Marketing at Boeing Commercial uh, Airplanes. And uh, Carlos had uh, quite a long chat with him, actually. We covered all sorts of subjects. So uh, here we go. So we've been lucky indeed to uh, be invited onto the Boeing uh, Terrace here at the Dubai Air Show 2019. I'm here with Randy. Randy, welcome onto the show. It's my pleasure to be here. So, Randy, um, Boeing, obviously, you've, uh, you've got your name on the back of our IDs. So you're obviously a big player here at the Dubai Air Show. 
Oh, it's a very important show for us. It gives us an opportunity to talk with our customers, gives us an opportunity to connect with our suppliers, and probably most important, since it's a show, it gives us an opportunity to fly beautiful airplanes like the 787 Dreamliner and really highlight their features and capabilities. So Randy, what's one of the biggest things you've brought to the show this year uh, for aircraft? Obviously you've got the Dreamliner over there. Well, we, have the, we have the Dreamliner over there. We have other customers like uh, Emirates that have brought uh, 777-300ER over there. We have another 787 by Etihad with that uh, Man U uh, paint job, which is absolutely spectacular. And then from a military side, which I don't work, work on, but we do have the, the, the U.S. tanker uh, that's over in the DOD corral. So we brought a number of airplanes here to really, like I said, to have a show, to have some fun, and to really illustrate how great those products are. So, Randy, the, the 777 is obviously one of the one of the most popular aircraft, I think, for the for the long-haul wide-bodied uh, mm -hmm. fleet of airlines that they use. Obviously, we've got the 777X now starting to come online. Mm -hmm. um, what was the whole idea on bringing the 777X uh, out with Boeing? Well, I'll tell you, the 777 has been the most successful wide-body program in aviation history. But we got to the place with the program. We had been producing the 777-300ER for a number of years, and it was time with the new competition, both from Airbus and from our 787, to make a leap forward on that aircraft. So we worked with GE to develop a new engine. We developed this amazing large composite wing, as we talked about, that has the folding tips. Um, and then we brought a new passenger experience uh, to our customers. So this is just the next step in the evolution of that airplane. It's going to be 10% better than our competitor's new product. You know, it's going to be 30-40% more fuel efficient than airplanes like the A380 or the 747-400. So we're doing the right thing for our customers. I think we're doing the right thing for the environment. And ultimately, I think we're breathing life into an airplane that's now 25 years old and bringing that next generation of, of aircraft to the market. So avionics-wise, on the flight deck, is the, the, the original 777, say the 300ER right. that's over there, is the commonality very similar to the new, the latest 777X that's coming online? Well, the 777X actually looks a whole lot more like an 87 on the flight deck uh, than the 777 today. Uh, clearly, it will have the same type rating, or that's our objective, to have the same type rating as the uh, 777 today and a common type rating with the 787. Uh, the one thing that's new in terms of technology, this will be the first airplane that we build that has a flight deck that actually has screen touch technology. So we're bringing the iPad uh, today into the flight deck and making it part of that display system. How important do you think with that aircraft the whole passenger experience is? Uh, you know, Obviously the airlines can have a choice of interiors and seating, but mm -hmm. Obviously, you've built the aircraft to, to adapt to, to whatever the, the, the airline wants. You know, I like to think about it that we, we give our customers a canvas with the airplane and give them the flexibility to configure that airplane so they can bring their band brand in. They can um, create an environment that is unique to their brand, unique for their customers. I think with the 777X, you know, we, we, we recognize every centimeter counts. So actually, compared, even though the fuselage of the 777X Outside fuselage is the same as today's 777. We've actually sculpted um, the interior a little bit, so we give 10 extra centimeters of space uh, inside the airplane. It doesn't sound like a lot, but what it does is it allows us, at least for the economy class passengers, to configure the airplane in a 10 abreast configuration and still leave 18-inch wide seats, so we're giving them more comfort. 
we're able to do things with new windows in the airplane, with new architectures, uh, with lower cabin altitude to really help provide a better experience for passengers. And again, our job is to make sure that we give them an architecture, we give them the capabilities, we give them, our customers, the palette to work with, and I think we've done absolutely the right thing with 777X Interior. One of the things we have uh, on this show, we have various crew from airlines come on as guests, and uh, a lot of the crew that we've spoken to who who fly on the, on the seven or the triple seven three hundred ER have said that they it's it's one of the preferred aircraft for crew for the crew rest area especially yeah. they find it a lot more accommodating than than uh, some other aircraft that are in their fleet. Well, I had a chance a few years ago to fly on the triple seven two hundred LR in the world's longest flight, so I got a chance to use one of those crew rest areas for myself. They are pretty nice. <laughs> it's a good night's sleep. You know, it's one of those things. It, it, the airplane's quiet. You have that sound of the wind and the, the motion of the aircraft, it just rocks you to sleep. I think one of the things that makes the airplane so successful is it's just rock solid when it flies. And I can tell you with this new big composite wing, we're going to con continue to keep that tradition of providing that rock solid performance and cruise capability for our customers. Now, a few uh, years ago, I was lucky enough to uh, travel out to Muscat in Oman mm -hmm. on uh, BA's uh, Dash 9, mm -hmm. the Dreamliner. And, um, before I flew on the aircraft, obviously I'd heard all the news reports about how it was, you'd feel fresh, you'd feel more, you know, uh, alive when you got to your destination. I have to say, touch wood, I felt really good when I got there after well, that flight. Did you think it was real or it was good marketing for my team? It, <laughs> I, it's true. It does, it, it's, you, do feel, you do feel a lot better than you would do on, on as you say, a standard kind of uh, you know, pressure. You know, just to tell a little story, a few years ago I flew on my first commercial 787 flight, uh, like so many others, and I, I held back to talk to one of the flight attendants just a little bit. Uh, so so I could get her idea of what, what she thought about the airplane. And so I started the conversation. I said, you know, I work at Boeing. I know a little bit about the Dreamliner. I said, what do you not like about the Dreamliner? And she gave a legitimate complaint that the doors on the lavatories were a little bit flimsy, which we fixed. She said, well, she had a customer that it actually popped off and you have a customer walking down the aisle with the lavatory door. So we, we fixed that problem. I said, what do you like? Once I kind of got this conversation uh, going, she said, the air. She said, without question, the air. She said, I feel different, and this is where I, this is my workplace, and thank you for what you've done to the air. So maybe the, maybe it's good marketing, but I think we did make a difference. So going on to the, some of the older aircraft, the 7.6 is still uh, obviously being utilized quite a lot across the globe, and the 7.4, uh, obviously was still with BA, mm -hmm. uh, we're flying back on a 747-400 tomorrow with yep. BA, uh, back to the UK. Uh, still a very popular aircraft. Um, obviously, a lot of the airlines are starting to phase out the 74 yeah. now. But do you think uh, the Dash 8 will, will will kind of progress? As a passenger airplane, probably not. I think that we see the future of the 747-8 as a freighter configuration. You know, it has that unique capability to carry almost 140 tons of cargo. It has the unique nose-loading door. So I think that it's going to have a special place there. But I think the future of passenger service for big airplanes is going to be the 777 yeah. It's going to be the biggest airplane out there. It is significantly more efficient than any four-engine airplane uh, that's flying today or potentially in the future. So I think that's where the future is. Yeah, it's, it's for me, I've only had, ever had the experience to travel on the 74 once with, with Virgin. And it's it's a it's that iconic experience to be able to travel on the 747. That's a whole. If you can get it, if you can get in the, the you can get at the front of the airplane in the nose section, 
you can get in the upper deck. It's pretty special. It's the only airplane when you get in that uh, uh, this section uh, forward of door one that you're actually landing before the pilot yeah. does. So it's kind of fun. <laughs> so a couple of things before we wrap up then, uh, Randy. It's, it's obviously um, we're here on the Boeing stand with you. Um, all the Boeing products going right from the 7-2 or 717, 7-2, 7-3, 7-4, right through the range. Is there a favorite you have, kind of one that, that you, you, you love to see either in flight well, or it's standing? Not, it's not flying anymore, but I started my career going as a flight test engineer on the 757 program and the 767 program. Now the good news is, my guess is, between the delivery of our first 767 to the very last one, or last one goes out of service, you know, we're looking at a program that might last 100 years pretty amazing when you think about it. It's already been in production 40. We're going to produce it for a number of years, and that last airplane rolls out the, out the line, who knows how long. Could be 100 years beginning to end. But my favorite airplane still is 757. There's no airplane that has that same feel. You can, when you take off, you can feel it in the back of your neck. Yeah. So the performance is unmatched, so it's still my favorite ride. And it is my, very in my top two, at least, of yeah. favorite aircraft. But yeah, I think very it's good. because that's where I started, yeah. and I, it has a special place. It's a very popular aircraft, I will yeah, say, well, especially with our listeners. So last off then, uh, what's the future hold for Boeing? Where, where do we go on from, say, the, the, the 777X? Where, what do you think well, is in the future I, for Boeing? I, well, first of all, I guess I'm a little bit near-term focused. Our, our, our first priority has to be to get the 737 MAX back to safe service. Uh, we're working hard uh, with the oversight of the regulators to get that done. I think when it comes to um, the wide-body aircraft, you know, we're in a very good market position there. It's going to continue to be about bringing the 777X to the marketplace. At some point, creating a 777X freighter, because it, the freighter product line is so important to us. And continue with, to involve and uh, improve the 787. You know, we launched the 787 now at a 2004, so we're 15 years since launch. So. You know, at some point, uh, we just brought the, the newest member, the 787-10, but at some of the point in the future, we have to look at how we improve that airplane as well. So we're always trying to focus on how we can improve and make, bring more value to our customers. That's what drives us. Well, I'm pleased to say in a few weeks' time, I should be flying out to Omar uh, on a Dash 8 with, uh, with BA. So okay, I'm I think you'll enjoy that. that very much. Yeah, yeah. Well, on behalf of uh, us here at the Plane Talking UK podcast, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you today. Thank you. And I appreciate your time today and enjoy the rest of the air show. I will. Thank you. Thank you. That was, um, for me, that was such... Um, How cool is that? I know. To to have the kind of um, treatment that we were given, it was quite kind of... Um, a bit kind of, what, what do you say, security-esque, wasn't it, Ned? We were kind of stood in the reception area. We were obviously vetted, and then we were given security passes. And they let you in despite that. They let Excellent. us in despite that. <laughs> and uh, we, we were ushered. We obviously were asked if we wanted drinks, weren't we, Nev? Oh, um, mm, Chill drinks. Yeah, that's good. And, uh, yeah, we went out onto the, onto the balcony area on the Boeing stand, which was Rather warm, wasn't it, Nev? <laughs> yeah, that, that was fun. But what a great view, though, across the uh, yeah. the apron mm -hmm. there as well. Uh, it was really good. But uh, no, really, Boeing uh, was was great, actually, really, yeah. really nice. And uh, he did. I mean, Randy didn't have a lot of time, so it was very nice of him to uh, spare us the time that he did uh, mm. to do that interview. So, yeah, well, definitely. Yeah, very yeah. pleased with that. Uh, well, uh, and and quite a very very high profile guest, to be fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and a few a few people in the chat room did point out about the the fact about the max i you know i'd com 
just made a point that I wasn't going to, you know, we've no, done the you story. Don't, you don't almost we've don't want done to scare the story. Them off, yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, and, and that was obviously the, the Randy that brought up the uh, Max at the end of the interview. But um, a great interview. Really enjoyed that. Mm. You know, it was um, thanks to the, the guys at Boeing yeah, for allowing us to do yeah. that. So, yeah, really good stuff. Yeah. So, uh, moving on with the show, and uh, up next, obviously, we haven't got Armando with us on the show this week, um, but Armando did uh, send us a few a few little stories to uh, to for this week's military did segment. Good. Okay. So, if everyone's ready, yes, I'm ready, Nev. Mm, Let's go. Yes. I love this story. When uh, Armando sent this through, and I had a look at this earlier today, when the uh, picture, if Matt pops up on the screen if he gets a chance, the picture immediately reminded me of a certain uh, program that I used to watch uh, in the 80s oh, as a child. Yeah, yeah, and I'll yeah. let you guess the, the name of the program. But anyway, moving on. This uh, story is on popularmechanics.com. The headline, the US Air Force's new helicopter is called... Grey Wolf. Now, when Matt puts the picture on the screen, you'll know what I'm talking about. So, the US Air Force's Global Strike Command took possession of its first new Security Forces helicopter this week during a ceremony that also saw the new rotorcraft named Grey Wolf. Okay. Yes. Grey Wolf will... Did you say Grey Wolf or Air Wolf? No, um, anyway, Grey Wolf. Grey um, Wolf. Uh, well, Grey Wolf will Co carry... Copyright infringements sorry. are likely. <clears throat> Grey Wolf <laughs> will carry quick reaction forces consisting of Air Force security personnel ready to rapidly respond to an incident or attack at one of hundreds of international ballistic missile silos spread across the American West. Grey Wolf is actually a rebadged Augusta Westland AW139 helicopter. Although Boeing makes helicopters such as the Apache AH-64 attack helicopter and this CH-47 Chinook heavy transport, it really didn't make a medium weight Black Hawk sized helicopter. Thank you for that, Matt. That the Air Force, remember the copyright infringements, <laughs> remember that uh, the Air Force had in mind for the role. All that, uh, for what for the system, Boeing turned to Augusta Westland, which has already built 900 AW139s for customers worldwide. According to Boeing, Grey Wolf is 50% faster than the UH-1N Huey helicopters currently serving Air Force's security forces. It can also fly 50% further, carrying 5,000 pounds uh, of cargo. Boeing says that the Grey Wolf will save up to $1 billion in cycle life cycle costs. Uh, and the Air Force plans to buy 84 of the Grey Wolves for $2.4 billion. Grey Wolf is a multi-mission helicopter embracing a number of roles, hence the M in MH-13. A worst-case scenario might see grey wolves rolling up uh, on terrorists trying to force their way into a Millennium 3 missile silo, while at a best-case scenario might be transporting Air Force VIPs. Grey Wolf can also carry up to 15 people, has si uh, slide-down doors to facilitate the use of window-mounted M240 medium machine guns. It also has a reduced infrared signature to foil sensors and infrared-guided missiles. Air Force magazine says the helicopters will be sprinkled all over the 
the world to support Air Force missions. Uh, Eleven of the aircraft will head to Maelstrom Air Force Base in Montana, uh, um, Warren Air Force Base in Wyoming, and Minnow Air Force Base in North Dakota to protect the Minuteman III silos. Others will go to Joint Base Andrews in Maryland and Yokota Air Base in Japan for VIP transports. And some will go to Fairchild Air Force Base, home of the U.S. Air Force Survival School. Now, ah, it's so blooming Airwolf. It really is. <laughs> Honestly. I loved, you know, I loved one of those programs I, I loved when I was a child was Airwolf. I think, well, yes, indeed. I think you still love it now, don't you? <laughs> and Airwolf is plainly the fastest helicopter in the world, so, you know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what you mean. Yeah. What do you think, Nev? A fan of the... Uh... Well, yes. Um, now, there's something very odd going on with my um, feed at the moment, because all I'm getting is very loud music in my ear. Sorry about that. Uh... No, that. That was me. Sorry, I've shut oh, that's it up all right. now. Yeah. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> so... <laughs> uh, no, that's a very awesome uh, piece of kit, isn't it, uh, Carlos? Yeah, it's uh, really, really good. Yep. So from one awesome piece of kit, Nev, to the next story about another awesome piece of kit. Yes, this is on the BreakingDefense.com website, and it's all about the uh, F-35 uh, Joint Striker, uh, jo Joint Strike Fighter, which has had a very good year indeed. Um, and in, uh, the, in October, the DoD announced a fairly dramatic rise in readiness rates. And uh, yesterday, Lockheed Martin announced that it had exceeded its year-end delivery goal of 131 aircraft, pushing the per-unit price tag down to below the 2016 target of $80 million, uh, a year earlier than planned. Lockheed Martin actually delivered 134 aircraft last year, 81 to the US military, 30 to international partners, and 23 to foreign military sales customers, according to a company release. This represents a 47% increase from 2018 and nearly a 200% production increase from 2016. Uh, this coming year, Lockheed Martin Martin plans to deliver 141 F-35s, the release adds. This achievement is a testament to the readiness of the full F-35 enterprise uh, to ramp to full production and we continue to focus on improving on-time deliveries across the entire weapon system, says uh, Greg Ulmer, who's uh, Lockheed Martin's Vice President and General Manager of the F-35 program. The per-aircraft price for the multi-role fighter is now 77. $9 million, a cost that is equal or lower to a less than, uh, to a less capable fourth generation legacy aircraft, according to him. Uh, as uh, breaking defence readers will have known, uh, the DOD for years struggled just to get its fleet of 440 F-35s into the air with readiness rates at barely uh, half, 55%. Uh, to be exact. Uh, one critical issue has been a seemingly endless shortage of parts, particularly the canopy adhesive related to the jet's stealthiness had effectively crippled the program. And whilst readiness rates haven't met the 80% goal set by former Defence Secretary Jim Mattis, uh, DOD Acquisition Chief Ellen Lord on uh, October the 29th announced that the F-35 readiness rates had jumped from the same time in 2018 to 73%. In addition, uh, congressional appropriators gave the Air Force a holiday gift in the 2019 spending agreement, uh, an additional $1.87 
billion for 20 additional F-35s and associated spare parts. The appropriators added funds for 14 F-35A conventional takeoff and landing variant and six F-35B short takeoff vertical landing variants. All total, the 2019 spending bill funded 98 aircraft, which consisted of 62 35As, 16 F-35Bs and 20 F-35Cs at a whopping cost of $9.3 billion, crowning the F-35 as the biggest Pentagon procurement program ever. Now, whilst dispatched with Turkey over its, over its acquisition of the Russian S-400 air defense system led to the July decision by the warehouse to suspend Ankara from the F-35 program and at a loss of 30 aircraft sales from um, Lockheed Martin, Poland's planned purchase of 32 aircraft for $6.5 billion was approved in September. Uh, and in November, Norwegian Air Chief Brigadier General Tonja Skinnerland uh, declared Norway's squadron of F-35As operational, placing Norway as its third European country to declare the plane operational after the UK and Italy. According to Lockheed Martin, there are now more than 490 F-35 aircraft operating from 21 bases around the globe, 975 pilots and 8,585 maintainers are trained. And the F-35 fleet has surpassed more than 240,000 cumulative flight hours. Furthermore, eight nations have F-35 operating from its domestic bases, a base on their home soil and eight services have declared the initial operating capability and four services have employed F-35 in combat operations. So by any stretch of the imagination, the F-35 has had a very good year indeed, Definitely. Uh, delivering that number of uh, aircraft. And it also looks blooming nice as well. <laughs> it does, yeah. Yeah, yeah quite. I, do, I yes. do like those. Indeed. Now, it's supposed to be me that reads the next story, but actually I noticed there's a very, very cool video that we have to play. And uh, I should stress, I actually saw the trailer I know. for this for the first time trailers. in the cinema um, uh, earlier this week because I went to go and see... What did I go and see? I can't remember. I went to go and see some film. Must have been a good film. Star Wars! Star Wars! Must That's have been a good film. You forgot about it already. <laughs> I went to go and see the new Star Wars you've, film. You've, you've said it now. my friend Tom. Yeah, it was amazing, by the way. So don't start. Just because okay. it's not Star Wars. Trek and you therefore have no interest. <clears throat> uh, yep. Anyway. Anyway, so for those of you guys and girls who love your military stuff, we'll obviously know that yeah. uh, the new Top Gun film will not, be coming not top out. Gear, then. Top Gear. No, okay. So a new <laughs> Top Gun film will be coming out very soon. There's about four and a half billion different trailers for this film online, yeah. all of which are all fantastic. But um, uh, one of the things, uh, there is a few videos as well going online about the making of mm. the film. And this one is on the popularmechanics.com website. A headline, How Top Gun Maverick Pulled Off All That High Flying Footage. So the makers of Top Gun Maverick have released a video, uh, and it is awesome, showing how all of the amazing flying footage was taken. What's amazing is that in this age of computer-generated special effects, nearly all of the aeroplane flying in the upcoming sequel is real except for one scene. The video released by Paramount Pictures shows how the US Navy cooperated with filmmakers for the sequel to the iconic 1986 film. Not only did the Navy allow Tom Cruise and the company to film on the aircraft carriers the USS Theodore Roosevelt and the USS Abraham Lincoln, but they also flew FA-18E and FA-18F Super Hornets for the movie. The Navy also allowed film, uh, filmmakers to place uh, six IMAX quality cameras in the rear cockpit seats of the F-18s 
uh, Fs and two-seater versions of the Super Hornet. This is how the, all the film captures uh, the illusion of top Tom Cruise and the other stars of the film actually flying the plane. The actors are actually in the plane, just sitting in the back seat, while the real pilot is in the front seat. So cool. One interesting clip is footage of a Super Hornet flying what appears to be a series of forested valleys. This could be a part of a VR-1251, a designated flight route from the Pacific Ocean through Northern California, then Oregon, then ending at Naval Air Station Fallon in Northern Nevada. And the video, for those of you watching the YouTube version, will see the uh, video mats playing on there at the moment. Uh, this makes uh, sense since uh, at least some of the movie appears to take place at uh, Fallon. Uh, Fallon describes itself as the Navy's premier tactical air warfare training center, a major base, dozens of Navy strike fighters, including aircraft painted in the camouflage brown and blue aggressor paint schemes are visible from Google Maps at any particular time. Fallon is the home to the Fighting Saints of Fighter Squadron Composite 13 or VFC 13. VFC provides aggressor pilots to fly against Navy pilots providing an adversary force to an air-to-air -air combat training. Although they're not in the trailers, we're likely to see their camouflaged aircraft in the film at some point. One scene appears to have been filmed and then altered with CGI is the shovel-nosed SR-71 aircraft. Uh, Tom Cruise flies in the second trailer. In the Paramount video, it's clear that the scene is shot with a Super Hornet flying low over the camera crew. This was apparently changed in a production to a mysterious high-speed aircraft. So there's at least one bit of CGI in the film, but the great majority of the Top Gun Maverick flying footage appears to be in or appears to be glorious real. So it's safe to say that I've set two reminders on my calendar, Google Calendar, for <laughs> this film when it's released uh, this year. And um, yeah, fancy coming to the cinema to see this when yes. it comes out? Yes, next out? question. Yeah. Yeah, uh, uh, the only stipulation is Odeon. Yeah, oh God, blimey, yes, yes, yeah, 100%. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah certain, certainly, if you, if you compare Odeon versus View here in Norwich... Never um, been in you, View, yeah, and I, yeah, I wouldn't no, want no, to. No, you'd hate it, because the, the first, don't go in there with a black light, is, is all I'm telling you. Please don't, oh, don't okay. you ever go in there, because you, you won't like it. So, Nev, <laughs> have you uh, perused any trailers for said film? I haven't yet, no, perhaps I should, because uh, that looks quite exciting, isn't it? So um, I may well do that tomorrow, I think. Yeah, definitely. Good idea. And I will say, for those of you who may be lucky enough to have a 3D TV, this film is blooming awesome, the original Top Gun film, because yeah. uh, Matt has had it. You, you've seen this at mine, haven't I, no, you? No, I did, because I, I had never seen Top Gun. Gun, had I? No, you, did you watch the uh, 3D I watched it version? in 3D, yeah. yeah it's it's yeah, amazing yeah, it what they've done with the original film. I was surprised film. at how good, because, I mean, obviously it wasn't in 3D originally, nope. was it? So they, no. they've retro They've, um, they've sort of Blu-rayed it and 3D'd it yeah. and then released it, and it, yeah. is, it is awesome. If I was to be super critical, one of the things I do have problems with is a really odd issue with my vision. <laughs> okay. No, it, it is genuinely a really odd issue with my vision, and it seems to involve only 3D. If I watch, uh, like, a normal film i'm not so aware of it but there's something about the way that my image pro my eyes process the 3d image where if it isn't 60 frames <gasps> i really struggle with it you, you Micah. My God, you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely oh I my word never i'm sure there's some sort of scientific reason why i struggle perhaps with it but it's it, 3d always seems really jerky to me unless it's actually um yeah, in a I mean, higher that... frame rate 
Yeah, they, they, they in order to make the, the three, if you need uh, it to work smoothly, you need the 120 hertz uh, active mm. stereo glasses in order to do it. Uh, but that can give some people a bit of a headache. It's yeah. certainly, um, if I'm if I'm wearing those for you know an hour and a half, hour and three quarters or whatever it is, I, it does. It, it is quite. I do find it quite tiring myself. Although I do, you know, I. I do appreciate it. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. No, I yeah. completely appreciate it. And of course, the very first time I saw it with with the sixty frames, and that for me, mm. that completely changed my experience of three D. For this got nothing to do with aviation. I'm so sorry, uh, but it's an aviation film. Yeah, <laughs> with it with it being sixty frames uh, a second instead of the usual, was it twenty five, thirty, something? 20, like that? Is it twenty seven? Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, the Hobbit, it was completely different. I I was completely like. Ooh, God, that's amazing because it was for some reason it what my brain was handling it better in the higher frame rate um yeah. but um yeah there we go so uh, right micah i'm very shocked to discover that, we're not gonna uh, not gonna no, you're no, not even gonna read no, that out not gonna no, read no, that okay out. <laughs> although i do like richard adams uh, idea and i do think this should i think i think paramount that the people have made is it the have, best. have got a bit of a uh, you know they need to make this a, a dvd optional extra uh nev you might need to break the camera out for this one because um <laughs> Richard Adams suggested it'd be good to get Captain Nick to add a comedy subtitles and or narrative. Uh, <laughs> yep. And then Stephen H. Stephen H. in the chat room is saying, "Watch out! He has lawyers everywhere." He does. Yes, that's true. Yes, I wonder if they'll explain why he's single again and presumably available for any twenty twenty odd year old actress in the sequel. He seems uh, so in love with the first film. Yes. <laughs> Oh, I just, I just can't wait. I can't. Yeah, it's July. It's I think it's, so Ju- it's July. It's in yeah. my Google Calendar. It's July time. Yeah. Oh, is it uh, okay? All right, then. Yeah. Is it? Is it this year? Then it comes mm. out. Okay, very good. Yeah. Yes, excellent. Anyway, this has got nothing. To anyway, do with that. anyway, <laughs> moving swiftly on. So we are uh, going to hand things over to uh, Nevergain oh, to introduce oh, okay. uh, the next part <laughs> of the show. Yes, now this is the second interview uh, for today that we're uh, showing to you from Dubai when Carlos and I went there earlier this year. Uh, Again, just looking around the various booths, all sorts of really interesting products. But this caught our eye because we've both seen this product in action at uh, Heathrow Terminal 5. British Airways used the Mototok device as an electric pushback truck and we had a chance to have a chat with them on their stand. Okay, so I'm on the Mototalk stand with Philo, and uh, welcome onto the show. Hello, nice uh, to meet you. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for joining. Thanks for uh, for taking the time out to uh, to speak to us today. So, tell me a bit about what we're standing next to here. This amazing piece of kit that we've seen at uh, Terminal Five at Heathrow. Yes, it's. Uh we are 10 years on the market and uh, in the last eight years we were focused on MRO business, also moving aircrafts in an hangar, very precisely, remote controlled, electrical. And uh, three years ago BA came to us and said, why we don't use this for pushbacks? And um, so we developed uh, with BA together more or less this machine as a professional pushback machine. And now we have uh, 28 units around Terminal 5A did over 130,000 pushbacks, fully electrical, very safe, and uh, it's a great um, um, success for the environment in Heathrow, in London, and also for the operation, because it's a very, very safe uh, operation now. And um, yes, and then BAA uh, had a great success with it. And uh, so the the next step is to bring this concept also to Iberia in in Spain and to other countries in the world. So pushback tugs, 
in the past, people you envisioned big, big vehicles, big pushback yeah, trucks right, yeah. with a driver's cab, with a. But this is completely. This is completely different. Yeah, the idea is here that the machine is standing at the gate. Also each in, in Heathrow, it's on each gate one machine. Yeah? And the advantage is that the big truck driver is not driving around the airport like crazy. One machine on each state stand, and it's really electrical. So, uh, and, and the efficiency of this is that the tuck is always available and they trained a lot of operators because it's easy to operate. So the operator is there and the, the, the machine is there. And so the British Airways decreased uh, pushback related delays over 70%. Wow. Which is for an airline also a big, 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 big benefit and for the passengers also. So what's the power supply? How, how is this power, this unit? Uh, it needs 400 volts free phase and charging time is around 3-4 hours and then you can operate 30 pushbacks with engines on wow. which is the case in Heathrow and if you have uh, not the engines on uh, during the pushback then it's 50 pushbacks so it's a lot and uh, you can serve one to four stands with one machine. Wow. Um, training, how much training has to be involved with, with actually using the pushback? In the course? end uh, the operator has only to learn two, f two switches on the remote control and the training lasts yeah, Two hours maximum wow. because it's really easy and if he if he knows already the uh, regulations for to com communicate with the pilot and so then it's it's really done in two hours uh, so that's, that's the reason why they train so many operators in Heathrow that they uh, achieve this flexibility in uh, operating pushbacks on time so the actual device itself um, was it long time in development sort of process for, the for us as mm. a company uh, no, yeah, in, in yes, in general, because we the company is now 10 years mm. on the market, but this product for pushback uh, is uh, to optimize was uh, done in, in, in these two years. In general, in 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 in, in, uh, in speciality, it was the emergency process. Right? On an, in a hangar, in the emergency is not so important to get uh, the aircraft quickly released, but if you do a pushback and then something happens, then you have to get the, the aircraft quickly out of the nose gear, out, out of the, of the wheel engagement. So can this be used on any aircraft type? Is this compatible for all aircraft types, narrow body, wide body? No, this machine which you see here is for narrow body and regional jets, and we will have uh, next year, at the uh, end of next year, a big one for na uh, narrow body and wide body, also up to 777X. Wow, so what's the capacity, How, what's the, well, the, the pushback? Uh, capacity 100 tons and mm. lifting is uh, 11 tons. Wow, that's uh, yeah, and it's really small. Uh, it's a it's a big difference to the other tractors. It's small, and no, uh, oh, it's uh, that's a uh, unique selling point of us besides the remote control. So, looking to the to the future, is there some is there more progression with this particular unit? Is there other kind of things in the in the pipeline possibly? Yes, and, and everybody speaks today about autonomous uh, pushback, mm -hmm. uh, or autonomous operations, and as this is a, a computerized vehicle uh, with a remote control, it's very easy to, to, to make it autonomous driving. The problem is a little bit the pushback because uh, the machine has to know where the aircraft is going to a pushback. It's like if you, if you park a trailer backward with your car the trailer is something going somewhere. That is a difficulty, but uh, we will find a solution for this. So do you think the future could be kind of a GPS-based system on board yeah. this yeah. within an airport to, to find its way to an right. aircraft? Yeah. yeah, find a way 
to the aircraft and to push it back autonomous and coming back then to the charging station. That will be the future, but it takes uh, some years uh, to be realistic. Having seen these on, on uh, YouTube, especially the videos of these in action, they are fam a fantastic piece of kit, mm. um, seeing these Thank work. Um, and it's obviously for, for the operators, um, we've seen that we had a, a program recently in the UK with BA that shoe uh, the, the guys using these, uh, put doing the pushbacks. It does, it does look really, really yeah, quite easy. Yeah, the operators love it because it's so easy and they have the, the, the great over, overview during the pushback so they feel safe. Yeah? The, 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 the worst thing for an operator is that something happens or he produces an accident. Yeah? That's the worst thing. So, but in our case, he has his overview, he, is, he has his own uh, responsibility for the pushback because he has a remote control, he is really in power. Uh, so this is uh, why they love it. Also, I think environmentally wise, because everyone is trying to look more greener sure. these days, this is obviously a lot better than the original pushback tugs that were available yeah, at airports. It, saves, it has no fuel and uh, less maintenance uh, cost. So for the environment, for CO2, it's, yeah, it's zero. It's, uh, it's best. It's the future. Proud of your product. That's good. Yeah. It's good. Well, on behalf of the Plain Talking UK podcast, it's great to, uh, to have you on, talk to, and uh, we'll do some shots of this, uh, this awesome vehicle for the listeners to see. But uh, on behalf of us, thanks for joining us and uh, all the best much. for the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Still amazes me, Nev, the capacity that that thing can lift. I know it's only for, mm. for the A320s and 737, sort of narrow body size, but even so, that, the power to lift something like that yeah, it lifts uh, eleven tons and it can push back a hundred tons. Yeah. I mean, so, actually, uh, if you put yeah. if if they could get the capacity up another half half a ton, it could genu it could genuinely lift a, a Van Hall coach. That's mm. that's that's a crazy. I'm just trying to give it a, mm. you know, you, you know, it can almost lift an entire coach. You know, certainly <laughs> lift lift a bus. Stephen H has put a very valid point in the chat room. Said it'll be hard to get rid of the bloke due to the need to watch wingtips as per earlier. Well, quite yes, yes indeed, yeah, very true, <laughs> yes, yeah. indeed. Yeah, but no, it was that. it was interesting seeing these these things in because they had they obviously had one at the stand where me and Nav um, looked looked at this and the guy was manipulating it while we were there and and you know and it. Is just like a, a joystick in a box. Yeah, you know, like you said, two hours. Two, two hours um, training. That's train. the most impressive yeah. thing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. It was good, wasn't it? It was good fun. Mm, brilliant. No, really good. And uh, it, uh, you could tell straight away that it was made in Germany. It was a very <laughs> German engineered product. You can Quality, just tell that. Mean, yeah, yeah. It, was, it was really, really good. Yeah. And uh, again, um, you know, great access to uh, to the guys on the stand there. So it was great. Yeah. Two more to look forward to, haven't, they? Yep. haven't we? Yeah, we've got two we can't more wait for that. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So we're going to start to wrap up this week's Yeah, quickly, show, please, because I've got to pack the studio up after this. So. <laughs> I'm so and, scared. Uh, yeah, we're going to start to wrap up the show. A and, and, uh, yeah, make the, make the most of this, guys, because this is probably the last time it'll ever work properly. Yeah. <laughs> Next week, we'll all be pixelated and upside down. Yeah, possibly. So I love how you're joking about that. I know. <laughs> it's, I'm probably so going to regret scared. saying that. You are, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Don't forget the uh, Christmas competition, guys. Links on social media mm. for the questions for the Christmas competition. Yeah. Uh, we've already had pl plenty Ooh, of people in. Go, Nev's got the 
pile of oh, prizes there, which disappears. Well, there we go, that's it, yeah, they keep disappearing. Yes, so we've got uh, lots of books there, and we've got the uh, Concord book, uh, one of those Haynes Manual Concord mm. books, which has been signed by John Hutchinson. It has, and that yeah, prize, the book signed by John Hutchinson, will be together with this plate that will uh, be our top prize, along that. with the yeah. book, and this is a limited edition End of an era, Concord, a supersonic era plate uh, that uh, was uh, specially mm. made in a limited edition batch of plates for that. There we go. That's if it. you haven't entered already, then please make sure that you search. Carlos will do a refresh push, I think, of the, the Christmas question so that you can get them in uh, and uh, send your answers to please podcast at plaintalkinguk.com. That's podcast at plaintalkinguk.com. If you need to check social media and you need to find us, if you haven't subscribed already, then search social media for Plain Talking UK. Uh, and as I say, the website www.plaintalkinguk.com. Dot com as I say email address not only for entering the Christmas competition but also if you want to come and join us for our 300th show is podcast at plain talking uk.com that's podcast at plain talking uk.com and it actually does look you can see the 3d yeah, see effect the 3D on these effect, it's yeah, quite good, yeah. yeah you're giving away the secret of the green wall behind us don't do that so loads <laughs> of, loads and loads of great prizes to choose from and uh, the questions as matt said will be on social media i'll refresh those again this week and as well. our plan is to announce the winners at, uh, the, at the 300, 300 which is show, next week yeah. so you need to get uh, your uh, your answers in a pulled out of the hat yeah, absolutely as always to, so uh, yeah get that'd be there. great mainly because there'll be an audience there and carlos can't get it wrong again <laughs> <laughs> so don't forget again just to refresh your memory just in case you didn't know 300th show next saturday that's the 11th of january that's at the renaissance hotel at london heathrow mm -hmm. And uh, if you haven't already emailed us at the show to say you're going to join us, please, please, please don't forget to email us at the show, the usual email address. And if you can't find the email address, or if you've forgotten, you can always go to the PTUK website, plaintalkinguk.com. There's a contact page on there. Yep. You can send us an email through there. So if you don't always catch yep. the live show and you listen to the audio show, don't forget to grab yourself a place at the 300. And confirmed guests so far include, uh, well, Tanya's going to be there, I know that yes. much. Uh, Chris Griggs, who, who I know you've spoken, we've spoken to, Richard Adams and all that kind of thing. We've also got uh, Dr. No. Well, no, no, possibly, possibly Dr. Steph. But, but Do definitely, uh, let's Captain just stick Jeff. with the people who are definitely coming. Yeah. Captain Jeff and Captain Nick will both be there, which yeah. we're very, very excited about. And also um, Paul Papadimitru. You yes, may remember him from the Christmas yeah, yeah. special. Paul yeah, from the Layovers absolutely. podcast will be on the yes. panel I think as what well I'm going to do year. is going to put some gaffer tape over his mouth just to make sure that he doesn't swear <laughs> while, we're, while we're doing the live show. I think that's going to be the way forward. Oh, no. uh, yeah, absolutely. Nev, I mean, I'm both excited and nervous. I don't know about you. <laughs> yes, I'm excited and nervous. I'm nervous because I am flying back from Brussels on the Friday straight into Heathrow and then going straight to the hotel. So if there's any weather weirdness or stuff like that, I might have to give you the keys to my car where all the gear will be. Uh, so, uh, but no, I'm hoping it's all going to go smoothly. And so I'll be there from Friday afternoon and then we'll start setting up sometime Friday evening, I'm guessing. Yes, That's indeed. Yeah, absolutely. As I say, I'm arriving around about eight o'clock. I think you're planning to arrive about lunchtime as well, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, I'm probably going to leave, yeah. leave my place of workment 
around about midday and okay. then, uh, yeah. moosey on down. Yeah, so uh, with I'm, my a- father. I'm aiming to be there about um, about eight o'clock ish, traffic permitting, probably a bit later if I know the M25 on a Friday night. Uh, my, <laughs> dad, yeah. I tell you, my dad, my yeah. dad is really looking forward to it. Is he? Yeah, oh, cool. he's like WhatsApp me and everything. So, oh, yeah, really looking forward to the 300 show. Okay. You know, and then he rang me yesterday specifically to make sure that I was going to definitely pick him up on the way right. to Heathrow. Good, well, I'm his glad house, he's excited. So. Yeah, absolutely. So if you're watching, Dad, yeah. yes, don't panic. I'll yeah. be picking him up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I assume Gemma's not coming. She can't no, think of no she's coming worse. Saturday. Actually, Gemma is travelling down with my boss on Saturday. Oh. So oh, she will be exciting. joining us Saturday. Uh, I look forward to my, my pre-organised Gemma hug then. I yes, think. yes. Yeah, so she'll, Gemma, yeah. the, the, the person that some of you may have seen all those years ago yeah. coming into the PTUK kitchen <laughs> studio <laughs> with bags of shopping yeah, quite will be... Yes. At the three hundred show, yes, absolutely. Armando's also so actually. We, we keep forgetting one of the most exciting things. Of course, is Armando's going to be there. We'll be here live as well. I'm very excited. I mean, about we've just that. got a, we've got a guest much. list just to, yep. for people who want, just want to meet. Yeah, Armando. yeah, they want personal photographs yeah. and signings and all sorts, don't they? Yeah. Absolutely, and uh, hopefully some very exciting news to announce at the three hundredth involving Armando. Possibly, well, so, possibly. Yeah. You never know. Yeah, you never know. Yeah. So uh, that is where we're going to wrap up episode number 299. Nev, anything big plans next week? Are you jetting across the uh, globe for uh, before the PTUK? Obviously, you've got the flight on well, Thursday. Yes, Friday. I'm just going, flying out on Thursday to Brussels. Uh, we get how. At our European office, actually, we're having a, a New Year's dinner rather than a oh, Christmas dinner. Oh, so nice. That's, quite that's nice. a great so idea. All of us involved in our European team are going out there. And I'm flying back on the uh, Friday morning or Friday lunchtime. Um, but so, yeah, back to work properly on Monday, which will be a bit of a shock to the system. Likewise, that's going to be a bit um, of a shock. But, um, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm actually uh, I'm looking forward to it, I've got to say. I've got a fantastic job at the moment, and it's uh, I'm, I'm really enjoying working with the folks that I work with. So I bet. That's great. Yeah, yeah indeed. Matt. Yes. What's going on in the world of Coachingtons? I have no idea. I, I genuinely haven't got a, a clue what I'm doing. I know I've got to work till five on the Friday. That's the only bit that has sort of immediately worried me at the moment because I, you know, want to get away as soon as I can. But uh, yeah, it's going to be. Uh, it's going to be. I, I'm just. I'm. It, my head's at the three hundredth. I'm. I'm busy, hoping that that goes smoothly. But uh, you know, very excited that we. You know, we've got uh, some great people coming. Uh, it's going to be great to see Adam Spink again. Can't yeah. see him for a little while. Yeah, yeah. Graham Haley will hopefully be joining us. later. Later. So lots of lots of uh, Fred, Jonathan Warner, you know, lots of friends and stuff. Hopefully, I'm looking. We'll have we'll so have much, to, yeah. to, be, to be looking at it. We're going to have all aspects of the aviation industry yeah, at the show. We'll Everyone, have pilots, pilots. We'll have ATC. Tower, yeah, we'll have. Um, Ground crew, yep. we'll have, well, we'll just have everyone there, really. It's going to be great. Can't yeah. wait. Can't yep. wait. So that's it then, guys and girls. Have a fantastic weekend, whatever you're doing. And uh, stay safe and don't forget to enjoy those Sunday roasts on Sunday. <laughs> I know it's been Christmas. We're all a bit tired of Sunday roasts. Shh, but... no, what? Shut up. Oh, okay. <laughs> everyone say goodbye. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. <laughs>
do 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 do